Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, hello everyone. Welcome along to this special edition of Higher Ground this Thursday night. No Thursday night footy, of course, and no early Friday game due to Origin. So, look, we need a bit of a rest, don't we? We need a moment to come down. So you got me filling the void. SEN 1170 Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. Jules with you. Great to have your company. Uh, how did you pull up? How did everyone pull up after the game last night? See, Badge and Sats are two happy chappies, aren't they? They're like Statler and Waldorf for the Muppets. It was a belter of a game of footy and fast too. Look, in the words of the great Ray Rabbits Warren, I'm sure we've all post-mortemised. It was a great night and certainly a great morning if you're a Queenslander. Now, I'd love to get your thoughts on the match. Uh, who stood out? Where was it won? Where was it lost in your opinion? What changed? Or what changes will you make for game two in Perth? The open line number one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. Give me a call. And the all-important text line, shoot me a text, 0457 736 736. 0457 736 736. We can keep each other company for the next three hours here on the program. Look, now, look now's is probably a good a time as any to let those who don't know that I'm actually a Queensland supporter. No word of a lie. Mad Russian's looking a bit shocked. Some people who followed me for a while would know that. Many would have assumed otherwise. See, what happens, right? I was born in Brisbane. Um, and hello to the good residents of Holland Park. Uh, that's not the reason, though. I was born because we moved out of Brisbane to my family when I was only a few months old. We moved to Darwin. And Queensland sort of got the better of the early exchanges when Origin first started. And my older brother would follow it. And Northern Territory was neutral territory. That said, oh, well, we moved from Queensland... They seem to be the better of the two teams in origin, so let's go for Queensland. So whoever your older brother goes for, you go for, and that's what happened. So mum and dad split up. We moved to New South Wales, but you're stuck. That's what you've got to do with your footy teams. You've got to stick solid. So people go, oh, but you live in New South Wales. Yes, I do. I'm a New South Welshman. I love the New South Wales cricket team. Having said that, I don't look at it as going for a state. I'm just saying, well, that's, that's a team. I see it as a team. So I'm a very happy man. I tipped them last night too, Queensland. I had Queensland win into Gagai anytime try scorer, so a nice little collect for Jules. 0457 7 think, 36. Thank you, 736. You know, I said last week that the game had a sense of the Queensland ambush about it and that Billy Slater would have a huge impact this time around, and so it went. You know, Cotter, Carrigan, superb. You know, we hear this term origin player. It's been thrown around a lot. Those two boys are origin players. They were just immense last night. Outstanding debuts for those respective gentlemen. Likewise, Selwyn Cobbo, who was good. Now, he's a Cherbourg boy, Cobbo, but he did go to Mergen State High School. So tonight on the show, shortly on the program, I'm going to catch up with one of Mergen's finest products, uh, Queensland great Brian Niebling. Will he be along shortly? Uh, Fatty actually mentioned Brian Niebling on the coverage last night post-game. So I'll get Brian's take on the Maroons' performance last night. It was played at Crackerjack pace, as I said. I actually didn't think the officiating was that bad. I know people are talking about, oh, but they were allowed to get away with this in the ruck and they missed this forward pass and they called that forward pass. All and so forth. The game had a good flow. The game had a good flow, which is ultimately what you want, particularly in origin. Now, it's not often I defend Ashley Klein, but I didn't think it was bad. Not perfect, but not as bad as some people have made out. As for Mr Munster, this is a genuine question. I know you've got some, some great players. Is he the best player in the game right now, Cameron Munster? 
Is he better than Cleary? Is he better than Yo? Or is he better than Tedesco? Is he the best player in the game right now, Cam Munster? Big stage performer. Worthy player of the match. And look, in the great tradition of Queensland number sixes, you think Wally, you think Lockie, you think Thurston. When the game is on the line, they want the ball. They make the big plays when required. They're in the right spot. The bloke's a freak. He's a freak. I just, you know, I just love his style of footy. He's an instinct player. He's a joy to watch. He said last night, he goes, I kind of don't know what I'm doing half the time. So it's hard for the opposition to know. Bit of Tommy Rodonix about that philosophy by Cam Munster. He was just brilliant. He's made for that footy, you know, because it's not – you don't play with these guys week in, week out. You don't build a lot of structures. So you have a basic game plan and you let the genius do the rest. And the cream rose to the top. Worthy player of the match, Cam Munster. Well, he's off He's off the booze, of course. Turned his light and he's playing the best football of his career. I don't know. What do you reckon? Maybe I should stop drinking before I come on air and I might broadcast better. <laughs> Queensland's hooker rotation worked well. Harry Grant was immense when he came on. Quick ball, some sharp runs from dummy half. You know, he's a running hooker. Harry got him rolling downfield and then Ben Hunt came back on at the back end of the game to, to help game manage because especially with kicking out of dummy half. And I'll give a rap to Val Holmes too, who came up with some really big plays throughout the match. Probably his best game, Val Holmes in a Queensland jersey, 0457 736 736. And it's funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny? Of course, last play, seconds to go, as AEO came within a whisker centimetres of sending the game to extra time. And already fans are yelling for wholesale changes. The worst game, yeah, this bloke's not up to it. Drop them all, drop Luai, drop Cleary, drop Pass, drop Bowler. Come on, settle down. It was pretty close. Fans are yelling for wholesale changes. Look, I don't think you can carry Stags and Crichton. In fact, you can't. And I know that it was it worked out for them last night because of the shoulder injury to Katoni. But it didn't necessarily justify their selection. Maybe Freddie looks at a hooker rotation with Coruscant and Cook. I know that idea is getting a bit of legs today. Maybe Jake Trebojevic gets a look in. I don't know, where do you play? And people are saying, well, Jake has to come back. Or well, does he? People are saying it's Tarek Sims' last game. Does Frizzell get another look in? They've got some questions to answer, New South Wales. But having said that, I think the group needs a chance to make amends. They didn't quite click, but it's a very good side and they'll get better. You could see the difference though that Turbo and Latrell made last year. I must say the scrambling defence from both sides I thought was first class. And Jack Whiten, I take my hat off to Jack Whiten, he made me and many others eat our words. He he was wonderful. I, I will, Look, I'm, I don't knock him as a player. I was never knocking him as a player. He's top shelf, Jack Whiten. I just wasn't sold with him playing centre, given the last time he played centre, he didn't have a happy day out or a happy series out. But he was arguably the Blues' best. Tedesco was enormous, as he usually is. A few blue moons from Teddy last night. Cleary got bagged a bit unfairly, I thought. They said his worst game and the you know weaknesses are shown. Isn't it funny? I... I I certainly didn't think he was as bad as people made him out to be. Second half, he got his hands on the ball as best he could. Did his best to help the Blues get back in at the back end of the game. But what the Maroons did really well, their kick pressure. So I think they gave him a bit too much time in the first half. Billy would have been in their ears, a kick pressure on Cleary. Because remember, he was meant to have the superior kicking game that was going to prove the difference. 
He didn't have Yoda protect him the whole night either. But that Maroon's kick pressure on, clear in particular in that second half, it really stifled him. It really stifled him. Still, we all see it differently. So I'll ask you, is there anything more, more pointless in player rankings, honestly? I know they've got to be done. But goodness me, what a worthless, what a worthless indice, player rankings. Having said that, I'm happy to take your player ratings on the show tonight. I think Cam Murray's got to get a few more minutes in game two. 0457 736 736. Let me ask you this. Who's in and out for Origin 2? What did you make of the game last night? We're a bit over talking about it at 8 o'clock at night. 0457 736 736. My open line number 1300 011170. As mentioned, I'll catch up with uh, the horse. The thoroughbred from Mergen, Brian Niebling, Queensland legend on the program very shortly. Now, just away from Origin for a moment, the Telegraph is reporting that look, the Tigers are considering offering Cameron Serraldo a five-year deal, five years, for a rookie coach. That is sweet. They'll do what they can do. Lure the Panthers' assistant away from the premiers. So they begin their search for Michael Maguire's replacement. But Serraldo is the one they want. They went for him last time. He said no. He did think about it, mind you. So you know that he's he's long been earmarked for that head coaching role. They want him desperately at the club. But having said, well, look, now they think he's a genuine chance of landing there. So if that's the carrot, if that's a sweetener, we'll give you five years to get in there. Well, maybe that's what they need to do because they're not holding a lot of cards at the moment, the West Tigers. But five years, I mean, five years is long for any coach, but particularly for an untested head coach. You think about Fitzy, right? So Craig Fitzgibbon at the Sharks, three-year contract. And he was top of that list for rookie coaches. Next cab off the ring. Trent Robinson, five-year contract earlier this year. But he only did that with three titles to his name. Siebes, five-year contract with the Broncos after just one year at South. So he's in demand, he's in high demand, and he's highly regarded, Cameron Serrala. Maybe the security of five years is what it'll take to lure him to the Tigers. You know what? It's, it's not dissimilar, I guess, to, to lesser clubs paying over some marquee players. You know, this is not the Melbourne Storm. This is a team that hasn't made the top eight in 10 years. Having said that, look, despite their form on the field, I think they're well-placed, the Tigers, to climb the ladder. They've got some good young players. They got money in the bank. Who they got next year? Coruscant, Papali'i. You could do worse, I think. I honestly think you could do worse. But look, from everything you read in here, Seraldo's holding all the cards due to, as you know, the short supply of quality first grade coaches at the moment. Oh, yeah, just back to Origin for a sec. Um, I saw this by Adrian Brashenko in the Herald just before we came on air. And Brashenko writes that streaming records have been broken after nearly three million viewers tuned in for the opening game of the Origin Series. National average audience of 2.937 million. Saw Queensland hang on, 16.10 last night. So this is the this is interesting. The broadcaster video on demand is called the BVOD audience, 425,000. Represented a 52% increase in the previous year. Making the showpiece event the most streamed event of all time across all broadcasters. The most streamed event of all time across all broadcasters. So the breakdowns are 1.7-odd million metropolitan, 740-odd thousand regional. So it gets you to 2.4. You throw in the 400,000, it's 2.9 mil. 
highest rating TV program of the year today. So it all depends on how you break it down because Phil Rothfield in the Telegraph today spoke of the low ratings. He said Channel 9 had suffered a rating shocker. <laughs> Down 9% on last year's opening game. Even more dramatically down, 3.194 million watched the game in 2019. A loss of more than 600,000 viewers since then. But the point is this. People are consuming sports on different platforms now. So this so-called viewer dive is certainly not as deep and not as pronounced as some people are making it out to be. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Round 14, uh, none of the... Origin plays for the Cowboys have been named. That game against the Dragons tomorrow night. Nanai surely is no chance of playing. Oh, Stundy came back. I think Vossi said it was one of the most miraculous comebacks he's seen. He was wincing. Oh, his ankle's gone when he came back. Surely he won't play. Uh, Val Holmes was another one. And who else played for the Cowboys last night? Mulchie, if I missed someone. Well, Murray Talungi was in the squad. He didn't play. Reuben Cotter. Reuben Cotter, of course. How did I miss Reuben? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he'll back up. He's an energizer bunny. Um, yeah, Cowboys-Dragons, that game, 7.55 p.m. tomorrow night. The call here right on SEN. Uh, that game at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. And three games on Saturday, the 11th, the Titans and the Bunnies. Then we've got the Roosters and the Storm. And then the Broncos and the Raiders, as we said. It, you know, The markets, I think, will swing wildly, depending on how many of those origin players back up. Uh, well, good thing for the Broncos, Adam Reynolds is back in the side. Good to see that Reynolds-Man partnership. I know that Sats has been pushing for that all year. Uh, Capewell, I don't think, is going to play, and I don't think Payne Haas is going to play either. And if that's the case, the Raiders' form has been pretty good. I, I think they're I think they're a pretty decent bet. Then on Sunday, you've got the Tigers and the Eagles, the Knights and the Panthers, Warriors-Sharks, and then the Easter, Easter Monday, Queen's Birthday Monday, I should say, at a core stadium, the Bulldogs and the Parramatta Eels. So good to have some regular footy back. Now, Live Golf, that's, it gets underway in Hertfordshire tomorrow. Of course, plenty's been said about that. This is a Saudi Arabian-sponsored uh, golf tournament, basically it's just sports washing at its most bold. I have a bit more to say about the later on in the program. We'll see if we can't check in with one of the golf journos over there in England as well, just to get a, a sense of what it's like on the ground. You know, Is it the existential threat to the PGA Tour that some people are making it out? Or is it retirement village? Because let's be honest, the calibre of player they've attracted, it's not bad, but they're not the up-and-comers. Dustin Johnson aside, I know DeChambeau's going to play later in the year, but they've got Sergio, back end, Gray McDowley and Poulter, all these guys, back into their careers. They just want a bit more coin. And they're very, very greedy. Now, in the cricket over... In Sri Lanka, Australia overcame a batting collapse to claim a series victory in Colombo. It was a, another dominant bowling display. As many days, it's really strangled Sri Lanka's batting. We thought it's going to be an easy run chase. So Sri Lanka posted nine for one twenty-four. This is in the second of the three-match series. Australia made a bright start, then they lost seven for sixty-six. Jai Richardson, he's back in the side, nine not out, hung on for six overs, and Matty Wade scrambled. Uh, to get them home, 7 for 126, the Australians. Now, Richardson was playing because Mitchell Stark, you might have seen this from the first T20, needed six stitches, Mitch, in his left index finger. It was a freak accident. He caught, basically caught on a boot spot. Yuck. During his follow-through in the opening game. And finished with best career, career best figures of 4 for 30. And as I said, Wade finished strongly as well. The first of five one day starts on Tuesday before the first test in Gaul on the 29th of June. And just quickly before we get to the first break, uh, this was troubling news. 
that the House of Aussie heavyweight boxing champion Justice Hooney was sprayed with bullets in apparent drive-by shooting in Logan, just south of Brisbane. Pretty frightening stuff. No one was injured, thankfully. Police have been called. Five bullets entered the living room in the early hours of this morning. And Hooney said, look, I've got no idea if it was targeted. The bullet holes went through the lounge room window. But he said that it was about 4am, and that's the time that his wife gets up and sometimes she feeds her the granddaughter. Imagine if they were up sitting in the lounge room. You don't want to think about that sort of thing. It's only when the hoonies saw the bullet holes in the curtains that they realised something was wrong. And officers called back to the property before seven when they found that the house had been shot at least five times. And yeah, so we'll wait the outcome of that. But still, Dean Lonergan, his hoonies manager, confirmed there was a crime scene and the family has been instructed not to touch anything before investigations begin. Of course, he's going to be fighting Joseph Goodall for the WBO Oriental and IBF Pan Pacific Regional titles. Now, joining me on the program tonight, as I mentioned after the break, we'll catch up with the great Brian Horse Niebling, Queensland legend, we'll get his take on the result last night. Scotty Bailey from AAP will be along as well to chat a bit more footy. And the Mad Russian is with me too. We'll do some agree to disagree and have a bit of fun over the course of the next two to three hours here on High Grand. I'm Jules, Julian King with you in the chair. I'd love for you to join in as well, one 1170 And the text line, 0457 736 736. Great to have your company in this special edition of High Ground Thursday night. Keep those texts coming in, 0457 736 736. And the open line number, one 1170 Happy to get your thoughts on Origin last night. Well, Paul Vorton mentioned his name on commentary yesterday evening. When referring to the great Queensland teams of the past and, and the guys who basically, they showed up and they did their job and did it well. So in relation to Cotter and Carrigan, well, Fatty talked about a time with himself, Wally Fulton-Smith and Brian Niebling. And we said, look, we did the dirty work which allowed the likes of Wally, Mal and Gino to thrive. And pleased to say that one of Mergen's finest, Brian Niebling, is on the line right now. 11 origin appearances for the Maroon. Evening, horse. How you going, guys? Going good. very well, mate. A nice morning to wake up if you're a Queenslander. How good was that? I didn't sleep much after it. It <laughs> takes me a little while to settle down, but it's um, it's been beautiful and um, crystal clear up here, and and uh, it's great to see the boys um, have a win because um, they were against it down down there. It's a pretty hard place to go and play, so um, you know, winning by. My six points was fantastic. Well, mate, it was a, a cold night in Sydney and a greasy turf at a core stadium, as you know. But uh, the pace of the game, of course, the pace was just remarkable. Oh, mate, it's crazy, isn't it? I, I don't know how, how they get them so, so fit and they, they can just go the same speed for 80 minutes. Um, you know, it's 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 a new form of footy. Like, you know, when, when we played, it was um, you know, a couple of nights of week training and, uh, you know, go and play it on the weekend, so um, you're, you're puffing big time, but these guys, they don't even, even seem to be um, puffing anymore. They just go and do, do their job for 80 minutes, so it's fantastic to watch. You know, it's funny, I remember Blocky years ago saying, you know, he's been long retired, but then Origin comes around, the build-up, and just, just something inside, you just got a little tingle, and you just think, dear, what would I give just to, to turn back the clock and have one last crack? Do you ever get that same feeling, Brian? <laughs> oh, well, I think about it for, for a little while, but... Um, Common sense um, always <laughs> prevails, but um, I was lucky. I, I I have played in a few charity games. I not for the last few years, but I played from when I retired in in um, charity footy. You know, mm. just um, against country teams, and that was always great to get out there and like like you, you get a tackle and you 
and you get tackled and you think, oh, how 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 good is this? But um, no, there's no way in the world I want to go out out there again. It's um, fantastic to watch. It was great to be involved in. But um, when your time's up, your time's up. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know what they say, it's the best seat in the house sometimes, the couch in front of the telly. It, it's interesting, uh, after the match, Phil Gould had, had lauded the team that Billy Slater picked. He said, I, I love this team. It's a, And he said, it's a Queensland team, as in the right type of players will pick for origin. Uh, the ones that play the Queensland way, plenty of accolades given to Reuben Cotter and Patrick Carrigan. And that's when Fatty had drawn parallels... Uh, with you, horse. So when people talk about this, you know, the Queensland way, the Queensland spirit, what do they mean by that? Just explain that. Well, my thoughts, um, I, was, I was from the country at Merg and, and um, listened to um, interstate games in the late 70s um, and Queensland were were close but not, not close enough and we had our players playing against us. So... When I come to Brisbane in 1980, um, didn't make the first couple of sides, but I, I started Origin in 83 and, you know, had a chance to turn things around. And, like, we were all young kids. And I, I think you just you, you just hated that being put put down all the time. Like, you know, you, you're, you're second best. And, you know, I think it, it just gives you something when you had it and and that extra calls, you know, the yeah, the call comes out to keep on going while you do it. And, like... My my first um, name was um, Arthur, Arthur Beetson was coach, and he was my idol. So like, mm. I, I'd run run through a brick wall for Arthur. So um, you know that's that's the sort of thing you do. Like you know, I I think you know you just just to prove yourself, like um, to prove that we aren't aren't second rate. You know, and I think that's been proven over over the forty something years of Origin now. Yeah. Artie always said he, he just he hated playing in a blue jersey. He hated because I'm I'm a Queenslander. <laughs> this, this is just right. Uh, what did you make of yeah. uh, of the debutants, in particular Cotter and Carrigan? Uh, they have an engine on them, don't they? No, they're great. They, they were fantastic. Like they, you know, they kept on going. Um, you know, you know, and there was no no fear. Like you know, when you come in as a newbie, um, you sort of um, sometimes you, you doubt doubt yourself until you get out there. But um, they just go out there and and play their normal club club game or even better. And like um. Cobbo and those guys, like you know, um, um, he's a Mergen product where I come from, and you know, like you know, you, know, you just you just wish them all the best, and yeah. you know they can um, show their skills off on the big stage. Yeah, Nineteen, and you know, not even on his preferred left foot makes that break, dribbles it off the right <laughs> for Gagai. I'm glad you mentioned Cobbo because you know Cherberg claim him, don't they, horse? But he did attend Mergen State High. Is, is that enough to say he's a Mergen boy? Well, it's only a couple of k's away from yeah, Cherberg anyway, dumb. so. All the all the Sherberg boys come into town um, in the Mergen High. So, look, you know, our our, our small town in the um, in the South Bernard has has produced quite a few Origin players. Yeah, Pearl, um, I think, with you know, there, didn't he? Yeah, the Pearl and yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, the Pearl was there, and um, Gavin Cooper. Gavin Cooper, yeah. Um, come, yeah. I went went to school school with um, Gavin's mum. Um, you know, so you know, um, and now you know, so there's a few. Young, young kids to aspire to now. Like yeah. they, they see what what you can do, and um, it gives them a goal. Like you know, I had great players in in my town. Like um, Harry Pickering was a, a guy from Mergen in, in the seventies. So he went through and played played for Queensland. You mm-hmm. know, so he was my idol in town. So, so I had somebody who I wanted to be like when I was a kid. And you know, I don't think the small country towns have have that now. So you know, players who who leave the town to to, to play in the city, you know, they 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 carry that town 
with them all the time. Mm. Well, hopefully Cobbo's there for 10 years and inspiring a, a generation to come. He's, oh, he's just a lovely kid to watch, and he's got that beautiful smile too. Uh, I want to get oh, your thoughts. Isn't he, he's what? isn't he what? Isn't he what? Hey, what about Cam Munster? <laughs> uh, Brian, uh, you played with the King. Uh, do you see similarities in the way that they sort of just take on origin footy with both hands? Yeah, uh, like like... Like um, the king was different. He he was playing ahead of the you know the game. He was thinking two or three stages ahead. Cameron Munster just um, thinks on the spot and he you know steals the ball and what, whatever he does. I mean he's I don't know whether he knows what he's doing, but um, he just does it so so well. So look, you know I think at the end of his career, you know, you know the eras eras are different. Like what happened in the eighties and you know what's happening now is different. But like he's He's got that steal and the ball down pat, hasn't he? Like, you know, he's a, he's he's great, a thief. He? Yeah, <laughs> he's just everywhere. You know, the good ones always find yeah. themselves in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, I'm also right. interested, yeah, too, exactly. this, this mentality of picking informed young blokes. You know, it seems to be the way for Queensland, doesn't it? We had Cobbo last night, Nanai as well. Do you think there's a different thinking at the selection table? You know how over the years ago, well, you know, this is the sort of player that New South Wales would never pick, but Queensland go, yeah, no, let's just pick him. Is there a different type of thinking? In mentality when it comes to selection, oh, do you reckon? Well, yeah, I think if if, if you're informed, well, you're informed, like whether you're up and and if you're old old enough, you're good enough, like you know. So, or if if you're good enough, you're old enough. I mean, mm. like so, if they're playing good for their clubs, um, you know, yeah, go and go and do it. Like some some are going to make it and some are going to fall, but you know, I haven't seen many young guys um, um, fail yet. Hey, if Xavier Coates isn't fit for game two, who do you like on the wing? Corey Oates, maybe does Talungi get a, a start? Uh, well, he's been playing pretty good for the Bronx. Um, you know, like they, they, you know, but they probably find it hard to go past him. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not sure in the way of thinking, but like you know, where they want to keep keep youth, but um, you know, you know, he's always um, does that does a stay proud. So I'm sure he'd he'd be in the count. Did you ever win in New South Wales, Brian? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. We, we had a few wins down there. Remember the, the the one night in the wet at the SCG when um when the um Greg Dowling caught the ball off off the crossbar. Oh, yes, that, that, <laughs> that night we won. Yeah, we, we won quite a few. Oh, I bet I bet he'd still talk about that too, wouldn't he, Greg Dowling? Hey, that was great that that that, that night. Yeah, yeah. in hey, the mud. Hey, just on uh, just on Redcliffe, uh, you played for the club. Are you happy with our entry into the NRL? Yeah, yeah, I am. I think it'll be great for the area. I just hope they can get enough players. I mean, they're, they're signing players, but they still need a spot. They still need the, you know, the class player to come. Because I, I, I think, I, well, I just hope that they can win some games. Like, you know, that's, you know, um, the big, like, fans fans will, will support them. Um, but if they don't win many games, it's going to be difficult. So, you know, I think Wayne's your, um, um, the perfect person to have there to start the club. But, um, you know, they just need to sign some, you know, some good quality players. And I guess um, England's a place for, you know, them to go if they can't get money from here. So, you know, I just hope they go go, go well. I'll be down there um, um, supporting them. I suppose it's difficult for me to play for the Broncos as well. So yeah. I've got two teams to sort of follow there. So there's a game at Lang Park each, each, each week for me to go to. Yeah. It's a nice ground there too, actually, there at Morton Daly Stadium. Oh. Too. It's a beautiful ground. Yeah. Well, well, from what it used to be when I played there, um, it, it was an old dump, and and we we had to get tetanus needles every year, and um, you know, there was bits of metal coming through the ground. So oh, no. you know, it has, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, it has has changed a bit over the over the time. Yeah, you see, 
pieces of metal. This is why this is this Queensland spirit ah, we're talking about. You play it, you know, you will never complain about having a tetanus shot. You think old Wayne's got just, something? Just, you still, no doubt, no doubt. Brian, yeah, uh, I, I, I think he has, yeah. Yeah, yes, mate. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. Oh, before I let you go, um, second game in Perth, unassailable lead for the Maroons. Oh well, I like I, I like to think so, but I don't like betting on um, Origin games. But if we win by by one, I'd be happy. But um, you know, um, you know, we're, we're in front now, so I just hope um, you know the boys can you know nut nut themselves down and go in with the same mindset again and you know, do the best they can for us. Yeah, and I'm sure they will. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Uh, go to the Maroons, and you take care. We'll speak soon. Okay. Thanks very much. All the best. All the best. There he is. Brian Neebling, a really good man. 11 State of Origin games for Queensland between 1983 and 1987 and four test matches as well for Australia. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. We'll get to those after the break. You're on high ground. Yeah, get some nice feedback too about Brian Neebling, a ripper bloke. A lot of people, you know, say, oh, that Brian Neebling. You think of Dowling and Neebling, both, both of them the Ings. Really good Queensland team, but as Fatty said on the coverage last night, you know, just no-nonsense players. They call him horse. The thoroughbred from Ergen, Brian Neebling, and him and he said Wally Fulton-Smith and these sorts of guys, a bit later Bob Lindner, they just did their jobs. But then Wally, Gino, Mal, you know, the great backs that they had, Rowdy Shearer before that Kerry Bosted, really good players could just get the job done. Interesting, I asked him about Cam Munster and Wally, and I said, what similarities do you see? And he goes, well, Wally was always two, three moves ahead. He doesn't think Munster's that sort of player. Munster's just a Johnny-on-the-spot instinct guy, pure and simple. Because Wally was a bit more of a chess player. But Wally, uh, both of them, the, the parallels I draw between the two of them, they just take the game by the scruff of the neck. You need a big player, give me the ball, I'll have a crack. It's that attitude that you want to see in your players. Want to get your thoughts on the game last night? Anything else that's happening as well? What about the round ahead? I guess the question is how many players are going to back up for their club? 0457 736 736. Give me a call as well if you're bored. 1300 01 1170. Uh, Rocky says, Jules, I understand why there's no game tonight, but it creates a hole, whereas nobody I know wants a 6 p.m. Sunday kickoff. That is true. Uh, any reason they couldn't play Warrior Sharks tonight? Two teams that wouldn't be affected. Well, the problem there is that, yes, you're right, they wouldn't be affected. But, Rocky, the NRL sets a draw at the start of the year, so you actually don't know who's going to be in the origin side. So they may, in this case, they're not affected, but they may well have been affected. So that, they're not going to change the draw that late. I take your point. Look, there's no perfect system. I think we all need a breather, though, after the Wednesday night, don't we? Thank you, Rocky. You said you do the, they do the same thing during Magic Round, and it bugs me. Yeah, this is the thing. People don't like buy rounds either because there's not enough footy. They'd always keep the cogs turning. And I'm sort of inclined to agree with that, but the problem there is that you know, that unfairly affects the teams with more representation. That's the only problem. Jason says, uh, hey, Julie, in relation to viewer numbers, uh, some don't watch sports on TV but listen on radio, either AMF and broadcast or stream online. That is true. So nobody's actually talked about that. We had a number of Origin fans tuning in to our coverage last night and certainly various other radio stations as well, rugby league fans in general. And pure viewership numbers, and you wouldn't get the breakdown of how many tuned in on SEN for the Origin call. I mean, they're not that specific, the radio figures. But in the broader context, Jason, you're right, in the broader context of, well, are the numbers dwindling 
are fans turning away from the game, is Origin dying? Well, that's a nonsense. Because we fracture the way we consume state of origin football, rugby league or sport in general now, and it's going to get more and more diversified. Thank you, Jace. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Just going to rip through some of the late mail, thanks to Fox Sports. The Cowboys and Broncos likely to be without a host of origin stars. While Billy Slater's decision to play Josh Papali in limited minutes could play into Ricky Stewart's hands. Well, this is the thing. He didn't. He came off early. And I think the case was just go hard as you can, Josh. Then you come off. Have a spell, and then he was just—he loved it after the game. As I sat back and just enjoyed it, had a breather, and used him as an impact player at the back end of the game. I'd like to see more minutes from him. So Jeremiah Nanai forced from the field, of course, with that ankle injury. Uh, he did come back, but um, there's no way he's going to play. Reuben Cotter. There's talk that Reuben Cotter's likely to join him on the sidelines. He played 80 minutes. Val Holmes, another one named in the reserves. The Hammer. He would switch to the wing. Brendan Elliott would drop out. Tom Dearden, unused, so he will come in to the side as well. Uh, ben Hunt, we think, he generally, he's pretty good at backing up Ben Hunt. So 36 minutes he played for the Maroons, so he should be fine to take his spot in that number seven jersey. For the Dragons, Herrick Sims, on the other hand, is going to be monitored. He played 57 minutes with the Blues last night. It was a pretty bruising game, as you know. It's always a bit more taxing on the forwards. But they're only going to join their teammates after the captain's run. Jaden Sullivan. And Josh McGuire, Jaden Sewer, they may get a reprieve. They may get a run. Uh, Tino Fa'asul Maliawi is bidding to back up from Origin 2. Herman SES, waiting the reserves if he is rested. Gold Coast Titans, South Sydney Rabbitohs. 3 p.m. Seabus Super Stadium on the Saturday. Uh, and then we've got a good game too. Uh, this game between the Rabbitohs, sorry, that was the Rabbitohs and the Titans, the, um, the Roosters and the Storm. Tedesco is expected to back up. But you know you got a pretty handy fullback replacement we saw last week against the Raiders and Joey Manu. If that's the case, you'd think well, Manu would go to fullback Naguama or maybe Billy Smith would come to the centres. That'd be Billy Smith, surely. Uh, Lindsay Collins, the other Rupert's representative, expected to back up with, of course, JWH sideline. Joseph Sawali, we saw footage of him milling about in the change rooms last night as a squad player. He'll be on the wing. And Daniel Tupu should play as well. He had a pretty good game, Daniel. I'll be on the other one as well. As for the Storm, of course, no Xavier Coates. His night ended early. As you remember, he was helped from the field after falling awkwardly when tackling Katoni Staggs. And Billy Slater, I saw a chat with him this morning. He said, look, it doesn't look good. Uh, syndesmosis, so upper ankle injury. I used to call them ankle injuries now. People say words like syndesmosis to make themselves sound smarter than they actually are. Look, if he doesn't play, you think Nick Meany would go to the wing and I guess Tyron Wishart to fullback. And Craig Bellamy is hopeful that uh, Harry Grant, Felice Cafusi and Cam Munster will all be okay to back up. The trio are going to stay in Sydney to give them the best shot at recovering in time to take on the Roosters. Then you've got the Broncos and the Raiders, 7.35pm, Suncorp Stadium. Of course, Katoni Staggs forced off with that shoulder injury. Uh, he's not going to play, you wouldn't think. Fittler was hoping it was just a cork, but I, I would I'd highly doubt, highly doubt, that Katoni Staggs is going to play and Brinko Lee, another former Queensland player, could come off the bench to replace him. Payne Haas in doubt. I think I even heard that he's not going to play Payne Haas. He's got that shoulder problem. Pat Carrigan, Silwyn Cobbo are expected to back up at this stage. And for the Raiders, well, Josh Papali'i, well, he's going to play. And he played the 19 minutes. 19 minutes for Big Puppy. 
not that big puppy, in the state of origin opener. A veteran hooked by Slater in the first half. Didn't return to the field until late in the second half. Corey Hutterweird and Nida returns to the bench. Trey Mooney shifted to the reserve list and Jack Whiten should be well, should be good to go. And then for the Tigers and the Seagulls, very quickly, David Nofaluma, he gets a reprieve. Old Nofer on the wing. Jacob Little also makes a comeback. And for the Eagles, DCE has been named to back up from origin. Kieran Foran goes back to 5'8". And Josh Schuster goes back to the bench. Then we have the Knights and the Panthers. Kalen Pong and Dane Gagai have both been named to back up from origin as well. And for the Panthers, they've named their origin stars. The Panthers have named their origin stars. But foxsports.com.au understands that Coach Ivan Cleary is going to take a cautious approach to their playing. So Nathan Cleary had a nice little shiner actually on his face. A swollen eye after the game. He's got that recurring shoulder injury, of course, as you know. So I don't know. What do they do? Maybe they rest him. He's not 100% fit. It's a long season. Maybe you let him sit this one out. Because you saw at the start of the year when he didn't play, Sean O'Sullivan slotted in very nicely. So got really good systems there at the foot of the mountains. Uh, Liam Martin played 80 minutes. Isaiah Yeo, of course, had that brutal blow, the first tackle of the game. You know, not much said about that. I've got to say, I was surprised he stayed on the field. He told reporters afterwards, Yo, that he didn't think he was concussed. He's had a few before. So the Panthers, I guess, will monitor Isaiah Yeo's condition. Then you've got the Warriors and the Sharks, 6.15pm on uh, Sunday, Morton Daly Stadium. Of course, Morton Daly Stadium, where, as Brian Niebling informed us, he used to get tetanus shots because there are chunks of metal on there. It's a lot improved. And glad it's probably a good thing, too. Probably a good thing, too. Jesse Ramian returns from suspension for the Sharkies. Connor Tracy shifting to 18th man. Unlucky for Connor Tracy. He's a good footballer. He's a good footballer. Wade Graham listed among the reserves as he bids to return from a foot injury as well. Nico Hines, of course, 18th man for the Blues. Didn't play. He's got to come to the conversation for game two, Nico. Genuine 14. You know, back in the day, you just had the, the reserves. You said, all right, chuck them on, do your best. And now they're, they're as critical to the team as as the starting 13. Covers a lot of positions. He'd have to come into serious consideration. And uh, for the Warriors, the struggling Warriors, Josh Curran, this is key for them, named on the bench to return from a knee injury. He's a skillful footballer, Josh Curran. So, well, I'm not expecting them to win, but you do want an improved showing. Then on Monday, we got the Bulldogs and the Eels. Uh, Jake Avrilo named in the number one jersey. Of course, he played fullback last week. Corey Allen named at centre. And Davida Pangai Jr. listed amongst the reserves, bidding to overcome a back injury for the Dogs. And Luke Luke Thompson remains after his late scratching last week with that concussion. Now, for Parramatta, their origin trio of Madison, Paolo and Campbell Gillard have all been named to back up four days after game one. Brad Arthur will see what he wants to do with regards to his front rowers. Now, Micah Sebo, this is big two returns from a knee injury. His first game, big Micah. Since round 23 last year, Wonga Blake shifts to the centres and Tom Opachik drops to 18th man. And Will Penasini, the young hot shop, is set to overcome a head knock in round 12. So that is the late mail. Thanks to foxsports.com.au. 0457 736 736, the text line number. You're on high ground. Yeah, we'll get to your calls after 9 o'clock Eastern time. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. I like this one from Steve. Bondi Jack will get to you in a moment. Steve says, NRL is a working man's game. State of origin is on too late. You know what? This has been a bugbear of mine, Steve, and for many, many pundits, fans, for many, many years. Because my son's seven now. He's really starting to get in the footy. I've taken him to a few Dragons games. and 
he knows some of the players, but he was keen on Origin because he gets chatting with his mates at school. So, oh, you know, New South Wales is Origin, and he asked me to explain it to him. And you know, so how's that different from the Eels and the Bulldogs? And well, you know, the best players get picked, and then the, you know, it's really cool. You know, as a dad, you're kind of proud that your son is into sport and engages. So I'm breaking it down for him, and he said, "Dad, is it ready?" "No, nah, mate, no, it's like seven fifty. And normally I try to get him to bed at about eight thirty, maybe nine o'clock. Seven. Is it ready? No, no, another five. Oh, when is it? He said, when is it going to kick off? Ten past eight. I think it was a bit after that. Normally we play like state of origin bingo, kickoff bingo. So eight ten, but is it ever eight ten? It's eight thirteen, eight twenty. So it's ridiculously late. And I know the broadcasters are doing their best to jam as many ads as they can in and, and get return on the investment. I get all that. But what's wrong with the seven thirty kickoff? There's no reason why a seven thirty kickoff can't be, and and because we had that so many stoppages in the second half, it felt like the longest second half in history. So I let my son stay up, special occasion. I mean, he didn't get to bed till after ten thirty. It's way too late. It's way too late. If you want to encourage the next generation to be watching it, we've well, got to make it a more family friendly hour. Of course, he won't be watching it. He'll probably be streaming it in his device. Probably have a set of goggles that he can watch it. You know, who knows how technology is going to unfold or unfurl in the next. 20, 30 or 40 odd years. But you're absolutely right. I'm too late. It's been a bugbear of many, many fans for years, but I'm not sure it's going to change, sadly, Steve. 0457 736 736. An update from the AFL. So there is some Thursday night footy. Rocky, there's a bit of Thursday night footy. It's just not of the rugby league variety. Similar ovicular shaped ball, elliptical shaped ball. Uh, Richmond v Port Adelaide, round 13 of the AFL. Uh, the Tigers, 8-4-52 over Port, 5-2-32. Clearly, they've been buoyed by the return of Dustin Martin. So, return of Dusty. There's a bit of chat about Dusty when he moved to the Sydney Swans. So, they're up by 20 at the moment with about, um, about seven and a half minutes gone in that third quarter. Yeah, so about 14 and a half remaining in the third quarter. 8-4-52, Richmond over Port Adelaide, 5-2-32. you're on high ground. Want to be treated like a very important punter? Get to getsetbet.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Time now to catch up with our good friend Craig Driver from Get Set Bet with the latest markets on the line right now. Evening, Craig. G'day, Julian. Oh, we're still coming down, aren't we, after last night's action in Origin 1. Well done to the Queenslanders. A question now is uh, how many particularly of those Cowboys players are going to back up there at home to the Dragons tomorrow night? Yeah, none of them have actually been named, which is interesting. And that's what this weekend's all about for us, uh, who plays and who doesn't and, and, and who finds out first. Uh, but the, the Cowboys at the moment are an overwhelming favourite. They're $1.21, Dragons $4.50. Uh, the handicap is 12 and a half in favour of the Dragons, but there has been money for them today. They're into $1.82. Yeah, I think four fifties overs at the moment. Three games on Saturday, Titans, Rabbitohs. Uh, yeah, Tino's in, uh, but that's not going to help the Titans here, I don't think. Uh, the Rabbits are $1.42, Titans two ninety. They've lost seven of their past eight. It might be eight of their nine after this one. The money's all for the bunnies. Yeah, I think you might be right. Storm and Roosters should be a belter. Yeah, it's at the G, which certainly gives the Roosters a chance, and where Hargreaves being out gives... Um, yeah, the level it up for the Storm. Storm are favourites, as you'd expect, $1.51. Uh, the Roosters, two sixty, uh, And actually, money for the Storm with the handicap four at four and a half. And then the third of the Saturday games, this looks a real contest, doesn't it? The Broncos and the Raiders. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Adam Reynolds is back, but Capewell is out already. I guess it depends who plays, but at the moment we've got the Broncos $1.50, the Raiders two sixty five. dollars the handicap, that we've moved from 55 to 45 and all mm. the money for the Raiders. Yep, yep. I think there's a value in there as well. Thank you, Craig. Thanks, Julian. There is. Want to be treated like a very important punter? Get to getsetbet.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Second hour of the program, a very special edition of High Ground this evening, 0457 736 736. It's weird, isn't it, with no Thursday night footy? We're, we're creatures of routine, Mad Rush. We're creatures of routine, and I love Origin on Wednesday night. I still don't think there's a better night for it. I can't stand it on a Sunday. Can't even stand it on a Friday. Wednesday night is the night, but then there's no Thursday night footy. But it, it's, it's, it's a reasonable trade-off. Now, Bondi Jack, I love the essays that he writes, and he puts caps in because you know that he's passionate. Uh, Alanis would argue, isn't it ironic? Of course, the thing about that Bondi Jack is that uh, the only thing ironic was that there's no irony in the song. It's just bad luck that happened, which which Alanis herself later admitted to. And it's like 10,000 spoons, all you need is a knife. Well, it, you know, it's, it's not irony. It's just bad luck. Bad luck. Unless, as it turns out, it was a spoon you needed to begin with. Then maybe it's ironic. Alanis would argue, isn't it ironic, that the greedy mercenary Ryan Madison <laughs> would twice fail in his mission on Munster, then five minutes later get caught snoozing by Cam again, failing to clean up Cookie's loose pass. But, yeah, they hit the deck and he scooped it up. Second uh, long break before getting hooked after two quick tries. In those six origin minutes from the 47th, Freddie needed Jake Turbo in the trenches. If only for the disloyalty, Freddie deserves this. His bench strategy was amateur hour. And he ignored his interchange the entire clutch final 15 minute school by rookie coach and the easy meet for Ponga on the left, Bondi Jack. Not happy, Bondi Jack. I don't entirely disagree with what you say. The bench strategy was wrong. It was just weird. Crichton and Staggs, and even in the Channel 9 coverage, they said to, to Joey, he said, How do you get Crichton? He goes, I don't know. Because Whiten was playing so well. Because I, you know, because the thought was, well, if Whiten was having a mediocre game, he'd chuck Crichton on there on the left. And then somehow maybe you get whitened in the forwards, oh, in the forward rotation. I don't know. But Joe says, I don't know. It won't happen for game two, Bondi Jack. It won't. 0457 736 736. Uh, Richmond 8452 over Port Power 7345. Hello, Siv. G'day, Jules. You know, when you start analysing song lyrics, I do start to wonder whether this is 1170 SEM or you've gone back to easy listening. You know, oh, I really yes. have to wonder about that sometimes. Well, you know, it was the prime real estate of 2CH for many, many years. I know Bob Rogers yeah, is a big right. fan of higher ground, Siv. And hello, Bob, if you're listening. <laughs> I can just see him sending his letter in the post now. And look, if you do <laughs> want to send a letter in the post, you might it might get there in about four years. So the best bet is ring Alex and find out the GPS coordinates for, for 1170 SEN, and you mm. might be able to get a smoke signal. It might be quicker to get your message across that way yeah. if you can't use the SMS or anything else. You're a deep thinker um, with all things life, aren't you, Siv? I'm a thinking man. As you, you are. Know. Yeah. Just you, on, I mean, just you, on Bob Rogers. I, I mean, you, yes, I, I worked yes. with Bob for many years. I was literally in the room next to him, Did you? and he's a he's a funny yeah. man. And and my goodness, some of the yes. stories he'd tell Bob about the time he spent basically ushering the Beatles around, I can't repeat them on mm. air. And even though he's well into his nineties, <laughs> you know, he he still he still swears like a trucker when he wants to. Bobby, God bless him. 
<laughs> I can imagine that. Um, look, just on some of this state of mind, I don't know how much airing this got today, but the concussion provision. Mm. Now, the Isaiah Yo thing baffles me a little because in a normal NRL game, wouldn't they halt the game, get the guy off the field if he looks as though he's, he's not with it and go check him out? Uh, wouldn't yes. they do that? Yes. And so... Why didn't they do that in State of Origin? What what was what was the? Th- I, I'm just curious. What was what was the logic behind that? Well, look, I'll I'll, I'll raise it. this question with Scott Bailey. Uh, he'd written about it for AAP today. I'll catch it with Scott shortly on the program. But basically, I mean, he said Isaiah that he wasn't suffering symptoms, right? So there are different categories in terms of whether you display concussion symptoms after a knock, and and they adjudged what had happened to Yo to be one of those sort of, I guess line ball decisions where the doctor at the time can say, yep, you're okay to, to, to play on. Um, yes. Lo- yeah. Loosely speaking. Well, loosely speaking, yeah, I, I can sort of, yeah, I can sort of see that. It's just when you have, and I know that life is full of grey, I, I get that, and you know my history of having debates, I try to do it as a fulsome thing, but, you know, when you're looking at an NRL game and you're looking at the way that it appears on a screen or at the ground where the guy looks like, you know, at least a couple of minutes off to work out what's going on might not be such a bad thing. And I don't think it would be such a bad thing considering all the discussions that sport have had over the years and still continue to have about what happens when you use that region of your body in any form of attack, such as happens in things like rugby league and soccer. I mean, I I would have thought... Logically, you know, even not even from a, just a just a plain ordinary person's point of view, mm. I would have thought take the guy off just for a few minutes, work out where he is, and then if you think that he can go back on, if you know, if, if all's fair and right, then let him go back on. But the fact that he didn't take him off, I thought was a bit weird myself. Because well, he felt didn't take him off. Yeah, I thought it was a bit weird. It was early. He fell backwards. Um, Tarek Sims had to help him up. So, so what happens? Right, they have independent doctors in the bunker. So the the independent doctor in the bunker looked at it and said, because they have different categories, right? Category one, category two, category three. And he thought, oh, this is a category three, on-field concussion check, good to go. So basically it was at the discretion of the independent doctor to say, it wasn't that bad, just give him a quick check. You know, how many fingers, what day is it? Um, what team do you play for? What's the score? Whatever. He goes, yep, no drama. Yeah. Having said that, he, he was tested, uh, I think, twice or three times throughout the course of the game, and he passed every single time. That doesn't necessarily the justify be... the decision, though, because you don't know what the outcome of those tests are going to be. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, and just to um, underline all of this, this is a player who's had a history of it. Yes. He's had a history of concussion, hasn't he? So, so knowing this, knowing that he's had a history, I think, and I'm probably, I don't know whether I'm with the majority or whether I'm going to get shouted down on the SMS and the rest of the open line, but I would have thought taking the guy off would have been a sensible thing to do if you know that this is this is his history. Well, what he's that saying is that it, you know, before. it may have looked like he was wobbly from the hit, but he said he just lost his balance. Yeah, you're right about the history. I'm not sure that comes into it, though, Siv. You've got a, an independent doctor looking at them. If they display signs, whether they've had five before or one before, if they display signs, then you need to take them off. But his assessment was no. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have thought, though, I mean... The reason I mentioned the history thing, and I understand why at that moment it probably wouldn't come into it, but, you know, a player like that, surely 
with that in the background, the independent doctors would be aware that you know some yeah there are some players out there that have that. I mean, I, I don't know what information the independent doctors would get before games or whatever. They probably just have to look at what it looks like on the screen, yeah. and I don't know how you make an assessment well, of what it looks well, like yeah, on the screen. Well, yeah, this is a thing. That goes back to whether the idea of having an independent doctor sitting in a room somewhere else is a great thing or have them on the ground at the heat of the moment and take them off. And, I, I don't know. I, look, just, uh, look, I, I think you need... feelings about independent doctors. Yeah, look, you, 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 I think you need them. Certainly in rugby league, you need them. And I know Billy Slater said this is the way the game's going. I've got no problem with it. What's interesting too, Sip, I mean, Greg Alexander, who's on Breakfast with Vossi, he's a Blues assistant coach, and yeah. he said today, he said it, he thought it was a Category 1. They thought, oh, we've got to get him off. And, yeah, he, just, he stayed on the field. And, but Brandy thought he was affected and shouldn't have stayed on for as long as he did. So dare I say, if this was to happen, identical incident was to happen again in Game 2, I reckon they'd be yanked. I think you've got to err on the side of caution, right? Because they go, oh, and he slipped, but you don't know. That's my whole overall point. Because if you leave them out there and they they work and cuss, then you've got a problem. Well, and and, and, and let's let's take that out a little bit further, seeing that I'm I'm on the waffle and on a roll here. So, (laughs) so you, you, so let's take that out a bit further. So, there's a problem. Now, what happens, and I don't know what the provisions are yet, but what happens if, you know, player A says, well, hold on a moment. You left me out playing there when you should have taken me off. Now I'm going to sue you for the millions. Off to court we go. What happens then? What are the provisions for that then? Because that has happened in the past. That has happened in the past. Yeah. We've seen it before. This is why we are where we are. Well, you remember so we saw the crackdown, Siv, in Magic Round last year. Any contact with the head and Volandis was came out in the front foot and he was, he was very adamant about, it, adamant about this. He said, look, you know, we won't have a game in 10 years if we allow... Continued blows to the head. You know, you got to take, you got to punish these players so you stamp it out of the game, and then you're less likely to get concussed. Even though the stats show that the bulk of concussions are from, I guess, defensive. Sorry, uh, the other way around. So, yes, correct, correct. Multi, multi, sort of doing the action in the background. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, but my point is, is that the more we learn about CTE, the more scrutiny there is. Um, you can't. It's not enough for people to say just get the players to sign a waiver, right? You can't waiver your way out of this, no, right? Because the, the the game still yeah. has by running the game, a duty of care to their players. It's not enough to say I oh, sign like a waiver. You're sweet. You know? So if you get bashed around like the head, any other workplace, correct? Like any other workplace, like any other workplace. I mean, you have in any other workplace. You know, if something goes wrong, work cover gets involved. And then they're all over you like, geez, an old phrase from the 70s, calamine lotion. They're all over you. you <laughs> when's the, when's so, the last time you well, used I, calamine I, lotion, Sip? Well, I, I was born in 1984, so mm. I wouldn't have a clue what it was. Mm. So I was born well after the calamine lotion thing. But I have heard previous commentators who Sharpie mentioned <laughs> use that expression, and I'm just pinching it from them. And uh, if they serve me with a legal notice, I'll just say, uh, you know, sign broke and uh, won't pay it. How so, about you say all, all over yeah, them like a cheap on. suit? Yes. Yeah, like Wyatt and Rice is a good one too. Are there, are, there cheap, are there cheap suits you can get for 10 bucks down at the local whatever? 10 bucks. Can you get a cheap suit? I'm not sure you can I get a $10 know. suit. You can get probably find cheapest, 100 Well, oh, 100 150 maybe? Like the old, see, remember the old Kelly Country it. ads? Why hire yeah. a suit when you can buy a brand new suit for, you know, and there's some young yeah. bloke who looks like he's going for his first ever job interview, yeah. a little bit boxy. You know, probably you know, given his his slender Chief frame, suits. maybe maybe not a double breast for him, but yes, oh, I think you can still pick uh, one up for about a hundred fifty bucks. We can still get it. 
at rental at least. Good to talk to you, Jules. Likewise, Siv. Thank you. Keep well. Good on you. He's a good fella. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. that open line number and the text line 0457 736 736. Coming back now, so just under two minutes remaining in the third quarter. Port Power, there's only a point in it. 8-5-53. So that was a 20-point gap. So there are three goals, bang, bang, bang. In succession. So now the Tigers 8 5 53 over the Port Power 8 4 52, about a minute and a half in that third quarter. So it's going to go down to the wire. Isn't it funny to see it's how frantic? It's like the old kill the deal with a pill, mad Russian. You ever play that at school? Absolutely. Yeah. Was that and forcing's back with forcing's the, the back two. was a great one. That's now you do it with the old, you know, the vortex, the Nerf ball vortex, like a footy with a tail, right? It whistles through the they are magnificent. Forcing's back. Okay. I'll give you one <laughs> for Christmas. Thank you. Uh, the judge. Good evening to you, judgey. No, no, no. If it was a club game, gone. It's not right. I agree. I agree. I think it should have been taken off. It's the independent doctor from a bunker. Oh, from afar where I'm sitting. Yeah, it's it's category three, not category one. So yeah, he's a right to stay off. The thing is, you don't know at the time. You don't know at the time. And I think in this case, you need to err on the side of caution. 0457. 736-736 is the text line number. Julian King on high ground. Look, he's a sucker for player ratings, and uh, you can glean that from the fact that he's so forensic in his reporting. And uh, I'm thinking, being a Manly fan, he'll be happy with DCE's performance last night and will no doubt push for the return of Jake Trevojevic to the blue side for game two. I speak of Scott Bailey from AAP. is on the line right now. Hello, Scotty. Hello, Julian. How you doing? I'm going very well. Uh, have you ever had to do the player ratings? Uh, not for a long time. I usually try and uh, get myself out of those. Probably a <laughs> it's a shocker of a gig, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's, it's one way to ensure that you uh, cop plenty of heat from people. It's a bit like the um, Nick Campton a few years ago giving James Tedesco an 11, and he, he still can't live that one down. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Or if you have somebody that comes off the bench and only plays five minutes, like, how do you know? Got the one, didn't see much game time. You know, what can you possibly write? Yeah, that's exactly Watch your base. That's exactly right. That's mm. why I uh, I happily avoid that lot the plague. So let me ask you this: If you did have to rate them, uh, would you have given Munster a ten? He, he was just brilliant. Yeah, pr- probably pretty close to it. He's probably a nine, nine and a half. I mean, mm. we've we've probably seen oh, off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but I know there has been better state of origin games played, but there's not many have there. I mean, he was. He was brilliant. That was so direct in attack, I thought, um, him him and Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, and I just thought, well, there were three or four just classic State of Origin plays, right? Like there, there was the break where he beat four or five Blues to put Queensland on the attack, and then Cherry Evans scores from uh, the scrum, scrum you know, 20 seconds later. There was the one-on-one strip on Croydon that obviously Huge. we're all talking about it. And what, rightly so, that, that, was, that changed the game for mine. Mm. That, that probably decided the game. There was also when he... he Pops up out of nowhere to field a Brian Toto grubber with about, oh, I want to say, I think it was the Blues penultimate set. Um, and, and there was there was the intercept. And I know the intercept was because it was a poor pass from Damien Cook, but you've still got to, you know, hold your nerve in, in the moment and, and get the ball. And that was another moment when New South Wales were on the attack. And he, he just kept putting himself in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Plus there was the attacking moments. It was, yeah, look, it, it was... As good of an origin game from an individual, you know, in the last five or six years at least, I think, anyway. Yeah, the, the good ones do that. He's an instinct player, and they come yeah. up with the big plays and the big moments. And in the great tradition of, of Queensland sixes like Wally and Lockie and, and, and Thurston as well. I just want to get your thoughts on Isaiah. Yeah, a bit has been said about that today. Oh, look, I, I watched it on telly, looked a bit wobbly, but 
the camera sort of shifted off him, but apparently it was a lot worse at the ground. And I don't know about you, but I would have thought that if you're showing any signs of concussion, you had to come straight off. Yeah, it certainly did look a lot worse at the ground. The, the camera didn't show that, like you sort of seem uh, go out of shot, I guess, uh, watching it back. But at the ground, you could see he he stumbled a couple of, oh, I shouldn't say a couple of times, but he lost his. He was clearly off balance as he went back to the line. And then Tarek Sims actually grabs him slash catches him, I guess would be the best way to put it, and puts him back upright um, so he can defend. Now, there's a few things to this. So Isaiah Yo last night was adamant that he uh, you know, wasn't concussed. There was no way. You know, he's been concussed a few times, and he has. He had a few issues back in early 2020, if my memory serves me correctly. And he was adamant that you know this wasn't one of those. He just sort of... He, he claimed that he lost his balance because it was just a big hit and he sort of slipped as he got back to his feet. Um, you know, Isaiah's a pretty honest man, so it's hard to question him, but geez, it didn't look that way. Um, over in the Queensland sheds, Cameron Munster was, well, he was, mate, to be honest, he was furious about it. Like, he, his you know, point pretty much was that the NRL takes such a strong stance on player welfare and, and whatnot, and on the biggest stage, um, essentially, they'd, they'd, they'd let a player down by keeping him out in the field. Um, I, I know there were a few, like Cameron was the one who said it, but there were a few who had a similar opinion over in Queensland Sheds, even just talking to a few different NRL players today. Um, you know, obviously didn't want to be quoted on it, but they, they were of a similar opinion. But uh, what I will say is the NRL have come out today, they've reviewed it. And in their view, there were some, uh, I guess, indicators, they call them, that could have had it deemed as a Category 2, which meant he should have gone off for a 15-minute check. But at the same time, they were happy that it could also be Category 3, which means he's checked on the ground. The other point they go to is that he passed the concussion check on the ground. They did another one at half-time, he passed that, and they did another one at full-time when he passed that. So I guess yeah. ultimately, if you know, if he passed three concussion checks, then... Um, Vindication, uh, I guess perhaps. no harm that yeah. foul. Yeah. 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 Even still, it yeah. just, you know, optically for want of a better term, you know, I didn't think it was great. But the wonderful flow in the game. The Queensland debutants are outstanding. Cotter and Carrigan. And and Cameron Smith said on this network this morning, I don't think the plan was for Reuben Cotter to play 80 minutes, but then what happens, Coates goes down, Capewell goes to the centres, and, and they said, Reuben, you need to punch out two full halves. And he says, I've got you, coach. And he, You know, that we hear this term used a lot, don't we, about they just look made for origin. But but in his case, and Carrigan's place, uh, place I think it applies. Yeah, he, man, he's been a revolution this year, hasn't he? Um, Ruben Cotter, like what he's done in North Queensland has just been imp- so impressive. And it was kind of like in the first month or two of the season, it was a bit like, oh, there's this young kid who uh, is getting through a ton of work. And, um, you know, you just sort of felt like, okay, how long can this last? Because you, sometimes you see this from young guys. We're now four months into this season and there's been no let up. If anything, it's got better. His game against Penrith, he defended so well. And I thought he uh, limited Isaiah Yo's. Uh, impact in attack in that game, just the way he defended it against him at lock. I know Penrith won at 22-0, but they you know didn't score points in the same way mm. they normally do when they have that much ball. And then two weeks later in Origin, again, like he, like he, didn't, he wasn't up against Yo as much as we thought he would be last night just because he got shifted out wide at some point because of um, injuries and also um, because, you know, Yo spent a bit of time off the field. But again, like he was so reliable in defence. And then, yeah, Paddy Carrigan, I, I I think his first minute or two on the field changed the game. He, you know, he puts on that mat, a really, really good run and then crunches. Uh, was it Jack Wyden, I think, was his first tackle? Mm. Uh, and, and it sort of came at a time where Queensland brought 
Harry Grant on as well, and and Harry Grant really got him moving out of dummy half. Like the, the game really shifted when they made two or three changes in the space of a minute or two in that first half. Uh, and, 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 you know, that to me is where Queensland won the match was off their bench guys. And again, the bench guys were the young guys. So, yeah, yeah geez, it was impressive. Yeah, oh, they dominated the middle, particularly in the second half. They, they pressured Nathan Cleary's kicking game and they got quick ball as well, which enabled them to roll down the field, which is effectively what New South Wales did to Queensland last year. Look, you know, we're all wise after the event, aren't we? Isn't it funny how everybody wants to ring wholesale changes for New South Wales? I don't think they, you know, they didn't do a lot wrong. And this is a team that's only going to get better. But having said that, I'm not sure you can carry Stags and Crichton. I know it worked out through the Mm. Stags injury, but ordinarily I I don't think you can. And it's been a bit of a push today, hasn't there, to to adopt the Queensland mode of of a hooker rotation. They had Grant, and you mentioned there, you saw effectively along with Ben Hunt, maybe bring Coruscant to the side. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, I always thought the Stephen Crichton selection on the bench was a strange one because, you know, how do you get him in? Like, I think we all thought there was some chance that he could still start and Jack Wyden goes back to the bench. Mm-hmm. And look, what do you know? Jack Wyden was New South Wales' best player. So you can't question the decision to start Jack Wyden, but... It still does raise the issue of well, what role does that number fourteen play? Even Nico Hines would have added, you know, could have added spark because he could bring him on in that, you know, that quasi lock kind of role that we see these days. But I, I think, yeah, for mine, Appy Coruscant should be, uh, well, you know, certainly has to be an option for the Blues in Perth. We'll probably be a faster track in Perth too, so you could expect a faster game, I would think, um, over there. And, you know, again, that's where you're going to want that extra spark out dummy half that there's no doubt New South Wales lack, especially when you consider that, you know, there's no Tom Trebojevic. Latrell Mitchell's, well, 50-50 at best, shall we say, and it's not exactly going to be Latrell. Yeah, Yeah, and he's not going to be in the form we saw him in last year, you wouldn't think. So they really, I thought they really missed that last night too, just that spark. So they need to find some somewhere. And, you know, Afi Coruscant is probably there for the man. Have you got Jake T back on your side? Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the, I, I guess it's a matter of how they... I, I just don't know there's a rotation for him there in the middle. Because, uh, I, I, you know, realistically, Isaiah Yo only played 50 minutes last night. And Brandy said, on again, on this network this morning, that I mean, it was quite an interesting comment from Brandy, essentially, that it, the head... Can we call it a head knock? Whatever you want to call it. Mm had affected Yo, and therefore they brought him off after 30 minutes as a result. I mean, in all his Origin games, he's played the first hour when he started. And, and with him on the field at lock, um, there's no doubt that Nathan Cleary plays better because he, he plays such... Wayne, as Wayne Bennett pointed out last year, Isaiah Yo does such a good job of protecting Nathan Cleary when he kicks. Um, so I guess, long story short, if, if Isaiah Yo's playing 60 minutes at lock and then you've got Cameron Murray in your team, what role does yeah. Jake Trebojevic play, I guess, is, is the question. Well, I mean, they can use him in the front row, but, I, you know, yeah, I, that's the only option, really. No, I'll take your point. I think Cam Murray needs to see more minutes. I mean, he looked really good in terms of sparking mm. or helped spark that fight back, and there wasn't much in it, you know, a matter of centimetres, really, in the end. Mate, before I let you go, uh, you're going to be heading over to Sri Lanka, are you, to cover the Test Series between the Aussies and the Sri Lankans? Yeah, over there in about two and a bit weeks, which... Oh, um man. It will be a very different climate, shall we say, and also very strange living origin mid, mid-season. But, uh, yeah, very it's really great to be back on the road with, with cricket. Obviously, Australia, you know, that test series to Pakistan was the first one in two and a half years, almost three years, really. So it's great to see Australian cricket back on the road, test cricket happening again. And obviously, the T20 um, 
played over there back-to-back nights at the moment with Australia having won those first two games, yeah. Yeah, well, the second game didn't scale any great heights, did they? A bit of a collapse, but Matt Wade proving uh, quite the finisher once again. Scott, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time, mate, and I look forward to all your work at AAP. All right, thanks, Julian. There he is, Scott Bailey. 13 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Thursday night football, round 13 of the AFL. The Tigers 10 over Port Adelaide 9 4 58. Ian from Campbelltown says, uh, saw a great article from Curtis Woodward on The Raw yesterday about the Tigers and their chief executive, Justin Pascoe. When is he getting the chop? Ian, I can tell you, yeah, I'll just flick through that article. I know he's a mad Tigers fan, Curtis, but I am you know, asking that question. You're asking that question. A lot of people are asking that question. And I know Webby said when he's on with Matt White on Wednesday, he says, well, why was it left to Tim Sheens to front the media? Where was the CEO at all of this? You've just chopped your coach. Nowhere to be seen. He's happy to be front and centre for Tales of Tiger Town. Right? So all the positive PR, no problem. I'm happy to take up the screen time. Then on Tuesday night, it's poor Tim Sheens who fronts the media. And then he says, oh, we're going to have a few more dark years because we're going to continue being a development club. They haven't made the finals in 10 years and they're still a development club. Now, if you're a Tigers fan... You'd be tearing your hair out, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I know they, you know, the, I know the Cleary decision to jump ship and go to Penrith. I know that set them back. I get all that. This is a club that leaks profusely, leaks profusely against their own. Madge was always up against it. I'm a big fan of Michael Maguire. Not to say he's the right fit, and I don't think he was the right fit. Has he done the best that he possibly could? Probably, but it is majority his roster now. Albeit had to tidy up some of Ivan's mess. But where are they going, the West Tigers? So, yeah, you get Coruscant, yeah, you get Papali, a couple of good recruits, but you lost Garner, who I'm a rap on. Leilu is going to the Cowboys. And uh, who's the other one, the back row? The other looks like uh, Talangi. He's off to Manly. So, two in, three out. What's your net gain there? But back to the point, though, Ian, about Pasco, conspicuous in his absence. Right? You've got to ride the highs and lows of the CEO. And I think they deserve better fans than to just have Tim Sheens, as much as I respect Tim Sheens. I think you had to have the CEO for a big announcement that you've just sacked your coach. Thank you, Ian. 0457 736 736, the text line number. The finger thing means to taxes. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to. Agree to disagree. Uh, Mad Russian, good evening to you. Nice to be with you again, Jules. Uh, you know what? You First came in and, and I had one of these little sort of microwave curry things with the rice, yes. basmati rice and like a makani dal, which is like a lentil. It's beautiful, really simple. Mm. Pop it in the bowl. It's one of the, you know, they're radio meals, right? Absolutely. How long we got? Two and a half minutes before an air birdie, two minutes in the microwave, <laughs> scalding hot, burn your upper palate, but get <laughs> shovel in a few mouthfuls before you have to show it smoking. <laughs> And I was inspired. You know, great minds think alike because I packed it at home. In fact, my wife said, here, take this with you. Mm. So thank you, darling. And you had some kind of delicious smelling curry when I walked into the studios. Well, that was, a, that was a freezer job from Woolworths. But this is my point. I mean, mine was packet. Right? Yeah. It's a radio meal. Mm. Yeah. Not homemade. Yes. No. But you, do you cook? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I, I'm cooking more often than I will have one of those. They're, they're a once-a-week job, mm. and I'll generally have leftovers or I'll cook for myself mm. if it's a, a late one. Mm. 
before I come in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Insights. Anyway, there's a beautiful Thank smell you. that probably will be here when <laughs> Bossy and Brandy rock up in the early hours of the morning. All right, hit me. Number one, New South Wales would have won last night with one of Tom Trebojevic or Latrell Mitchell. Oh, good question. Everyone's one speculating. Off. One uh, disagree. Wow. Okay, I thought that would be an easy agree. Disagree. Is that Maroon lenses? Probably. <laughs> coming through there. They missed him. Did they ever? They missed him. I'll put it the other way. Mm. If you take out one of Munster or DCE, the Maroons even get close. Uh, if you take, well, if you take out, DCE had a good game too. If you take out Munster, they, do they win the game? Is that what you're asking? Well, no, I don't even think. If Munster doesn't play last night, I don't even think, I think they get close. A win. Yeah. Hard to say. Where do the Maroons points come from? Anyway. Interesting. And it's all academic, doesn't Number matter. Number two, our friend Buzz Rothfield in the papers today writing about TV ratings. Mm-hmm. My opinion, TV ratings and radio for that matter mm-hmm. are archaic and should be paid very little or no attention. No, I don't think that's entirely true. They give you some indication, but they, as per usual, they never paint the full picture. Mm. It's not an indication of the health of a game or in this case, the health of a station mm. necessarily. Next. New Zealand winning the first ever World Test Championship. They're over in England at the moment. Devalued it. Devalued that concept. Why? Because Because New Zealand won it. Yes, because they won it. Because of the teams that they had to play in the path to get there. When you look at their schedule versus, for example, what Australia did in the three years prior, they're... Them winning that championship. Yeah, Australia beat thumped New Zealand at like, home, but exactly. You know, and Australia had their chances. Devalued it. Australia had their chances, but they stuffed it with slow over rates and other things. They had every chance to do it. No, didn't devalue it. You know, there are so many circumstances that conspire to get a team to a final, as a matter of it's rugby league or rugby or whatever, right? There are so many different things that come into play. So you might say, well, you know, the rub of the green because they played the bulk of their games. and you still got to win the games. And then they went to Lords and beat India. Yeah. You can't say that they well, didn't. Well, beating, beating India and England, yeah. really, is that that impressive? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. That's the sort of... They were outsiders. They, are they were outsiders. Least... Um, yeah, look, in English they're conditions, I get your point. No, but no, they deserve their it. Strength. It absolutely did not devalue it. Okay. Well done to the Black Caps. I disagree with you. Anyway. Well, okay, this one. Oh. I'm getting very jealous scrolling through Instagram at the moment. Lots of people on holiday. Yeah. I'll take you to Bali over mm. the snowy mountains at this time of the year. I'm not a rap on Bali. Having I'm, said that. I'm not that, really either. I, I, last time I was in Bali was 2005. Um, I'd said I'm in no rush to go back to this joint. I didn't have a happy time. Maybe it was the company I kept, but uh, oh, snowy mountains. I haven't been skiing for about twenty well, years. I haven't, anyway, I haven't so. got any wheelhouse here, have I? So, <laughs> so <laughs> no. You know what? I think I'd go to the snowies. Mm. Yep. And so, what was the question? I see. I'd go to Bali over the. Snow. That's how much more I enjoy warm weather. I would yeah, no, go, I, I do I'm not prefer framing the... Bali as a. No, I get that idyllic destination. Was it Red Gum? That was their second biggest hit. So Red Gum had I was only 19 and the other tune they had was I've Been to Bali too. <laughs> I might play that a bit later too. Um, no, no, I don't know. So what about Bali doesn't grow? Having said that, I think it's changed probably in the last 15 yes, years. absolutely. So Bali 2022 might just hit me a bit. I haven't been to the Snowy Mountains for a while either. So. 
Oh, you know what? Can I do a sight and speech well, before I make well, my I'm call? I'm about to say, you pick the splinters out of your backside after mm. that answer. Let's go Snowies. Snowies? Yeah. Okay. So that's another disagree. So that's almost three disagree. Mm. Three disagrees and one almost. Anyway. Graham Arnold, Socceroos, got through playing Peru on Tuesday morning Australian time. Graham Arnold should have been sacked before this two-game set of qualifiers. Disagree. Disagree. I mean, two games out. I mean, you get a new coach in. Uh, what are you relying on there? Bounce back factor. You don't have the cattle. I'm not sure that it's going to solve any of the problems they're mm. currently faced. Will it improve our chances? Well, that's debatable. Mm. That's debatable. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because they haven't been playing great football. Yeah. And they started strongly and they just fell into a whimper. You know, the absence of Rogic hurt. Uh, Moy back obviously helps. Mm. You know, Hrustic is a good player. Brilliant player. Good player. One of the best we've produced in the last decade. Yeah. And he loves playing for his country too. Um, Turned down advances from Bosnia-Herzegovina mm. and Romania to play for the Socceroos. Is that the last degree to disagree, by the way? Yes, that Can is. Can we talk some Socceroos five. while I got you? Absolutely. Uh, is Trent Sainsbury going to be fit? <laughs> it is Adam Taggart going to be fit? Because they both missed the game. 50-50 on Sainsbury. Right. Is he worth the gamble or has his form sort of gone off the boil? Look, I, I think Bailey Wright played well enough um, as his replacement the other night to actually keep that position. Mm. The the issues weren't in the Socceroos' defence for a change, which was nice. Um, Nathaniel Atkinson had a tough time of it down the right-hand side, but I'm in opposition to some pundits who are putting it on that personally, yeah. putting, putting that on him personally. I think the way that we played... Uh, and the job he was asked to do by Graham Arnold, it, it didn't suit his strengths, mm. Jules. I think Frank Karacic, Frank Karacic in that position would have been a, a better option. That's actually the change I'd make in the back line. If Sainsbury is not 100% fit, ready to go, no, I would not risk him. Tags wouldn't have started anyway. He'd be an option off the bench, and he's a good option off the bench, but... Um, I think we've got enough cover there as well to, to cope with. Uh, yeah. What do you make of this? Uh, some people have suggested that the cum dog is too similar to Jamie McLaren to have both in the squad. That's Codswallop. Codswallop. That, that is rubbish. Would you have him in your squad, Cummings? I think he could offer something a little bit different. I think we don't actually, in contrast to what Graham he's, Arnold he's, said when he picked the squad, that, I think we don't have many players like him. He, and he then his form deeper. for the Mariners would... I would have thought warranted. He's been pretty good form, yes. And and he's actually he's been fit, which is yeah. um, not something he had a reputation for when he was playing in Scotland. <laughs> but he, with that fitness and what he's been able to do at the coast this up the coast this year, he's he's dropping deeper into midfield. He will actually carry the ball forward. We are missing players that are your Harry Kules, happy to drive with the ball at players. We we don't have many of them anymore, mm. and he's one of those. Frustich is another one by the way. But um, I think I think he could fit into that team nicely, um, either as that number nine or actually playing as one of the wide players, but playing less as a traditional winger and sort of coming in field a little bit more. Okay, so the play Peru Tuesday morning, uh, again in neutral territory, uh, also in Doha, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yep. um, the thing is, if... Does that play in the Socceroos' hands, right? Because Peru Absolutely. is strong, but obviously much stronger at home. You Absolutely. take them out of their comfort zone. Are these conditions more suited to Australia than they are to Peru? Absolutely. Yeah. If you go to Peru, you are playing in Lima. You are playing at 6,000 metres above sea level. Yeah. Uh, it's a massive disadvantage. It's the reason that they do so well in qualifying with a squad that is weaker than a lot of the South American squads, some of the, which have finished below them, Colombia and Chile. 
two of the powerhouses of uh, Commonwealth have not been able to to get over them to get into this fifth place spot. It is such a it is the hardest confederation to qualify through South America. It is the reason that it is so difficult to beat that fifth place team that comes through. The soccer is the last team to do it mm. in 2005 when we beat Uruguay. So absolutely playing the one-legged tie suits us because obviously you're playing less football. There's uh, more room for error in terms of the right result, particularly in football. Uh, and the other part, of course, is not having to go and play in Peru. So I think that plays absolutely into our into our hands. All right. So with that in mind, what sort of a game can we anticipate? I, I imagine it's you don't want to concede, so I can't see if I'm pressing high up the park just going for goals. I don't think it's going to be a purest stream. No. Let's put it that way. Um, Peru will come at us. They will play with more of the ball. It'll be a very different game to the UAE game where we played with a lot of possession and the, the test was to try and break them down. It'll be interesting to see what Arnie does um, in an attacking sense. I I think we're okay with our back four, um, the way we've we've set up. And I think Atkinson will actually suit the way we'll need to play a little bit better in the second leg, uh, in the second game. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot more difficult for the likes of Frustich, for the likes of Moy, for the likes of Jackson Irvine, who I don't think should start in this second game. He's, Why? His main threat is getting into the box and providing another attacking option when you get forward. He's not going to have that luxury yeah. against Peru too often. He might be an option off the bench. I think the Socceroos are going to have a really tough time of it. Peru got some key outs, but so do we. And not having Tom Rogic is just... Mm. Oh, him and Rustic playing with each other in midfield, both as fit players who are able to track back more than, say, Aaron Moy, would really have helped. Would really have helped in this Peru game. It's It's kind of immeasurable how much we're going to miss Rogic that is in true. second game. That is true. Look, we, we've got a puncher's chance. And you always we've got, got to believe, chance. you we know, do. we did it against Uruguay, as you said, in 2005. I was there for that game. The greatest live sporting experience I've ever been to. And it's not my number one choice of sport, as much as I love it. Uh, you know, we can dare to dream. We can dare to dream. And dream we must. Yeah. What t- is a kickoff? It was 4 o'clock. Well, you might be dreaming when you wake up for it. 4 a.m. is the kickoff on Tuesday morning. Totally so worth set it. set your alarm. Totally worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Mad Russian. 0457 736 736. Now, Bondi Jack, uh, albeit behoves me to disagree with you, Jules, but Billy Smith would struggle to qualify as a Reggie. Cut him quick. Is that right? I haven't watched him a couple of because he's had a, a string of knee injuries. So, but... What a little I've saw of him. I haven't actually watched him this year, Bondi Jack. Um, I thought he was okay. But you beg to differ. You'd know better than me. As for the great man, Billy Smith, I watched him as a seven-year-old with Raper, Gaznier and Chang when we East beat you 21-8 at Cogrand de Kibbo. Impossible. More importantly, it is a stain on an unforgivable shame that Billy is not an immortal. Uh, and I doubt you were born. But uh, hanging on to beat you and Billy... Uh, eight six in the SCG final of seventy two nearly killed me. No, I wasn't a port in nineteen seventy two. Uh Chang kicked three goals, Keith Page nailed East in the grand final. I'm still not over the nineteen fourteen. Two tries, all travesty, Bondi Jack. Yeah, long memory, Bondi Jack. Good memories. I read a really great book by Larry Wrighter called Never Before Never Again and it focuses on that Dragons run of eleven in a row and you know, Norm Tipping had him the first year, then Ken Carney took over and then obviously Sticks and Ian Walsh at the back end and just to read the stories about Billy Smith is so intriguing. Wonderfully gifted player, very popular. They love playing with him, but he loved a drink too, Billy. Could find himself a bit messy at times when he had to behave himself. 
getting chucked out of venues and the like. I found him inherently fascinating, Billy Smith. And he's a crowd favourite too. They bring him out and they, they, they roar the hill of Cogra. You know, the old boys' days. He's Billy Smith and they go nuts for him. The other one that I, that I was, thought was a really intriguing character was um, uh, Billy Wilson. Bluey Wilson. Finished his career at Norts, I think, at the age of 40. Really good player. Really good player. And Popper as well. He's another one I'd love to have seen, Popper Clay. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because I've always been, I've been asked this many times, and it's a good question to ask, if there's one or two or three players in the history of the game that you didn't see play that you wished you could have seen play, uh, who would they be? It's a really tough question. Top of my list is Gazny. People that have seen him, it's just rage. It was just magic. And I heard great things about Chang. You know, I worked, I was very lucky to work with Bob Fulton. I never saw Bozo play. I'd love to have seen him play. And Bozo was a mad Chang fan, loved him. Beetson's another one that I never saw play. Uh, and you know, Larry Coral was one that everyone I know saw him play. So he was just magic, just magic. And then you think about, okay, what about people like Daly Messenger or Clive Churchill? or Dave Brown, or Chunky Burge, all those sort of former immortals. But Gazney is top of that list. And Billy Smith, you know what? I'm chucking him on there too, Bondi Jack. Thank you. 0457 736 736. I think they might be home. Liam Baker having a shot for goal. 11-10-76, the Tigers over Port Adelaide. 10-5-65 under a minute. So they will get over the line, the Richmond Tigers, as he lines up from just outside 50 as a crack. Has he got the distance? Just short, tap through for one. So 77 to 65. Well done to the Richmond Tigers. Isn't it funny there's a debate between rugby league aficionados and AFL fans about whether the away team, if they win, should get their team song played at the ground. It's a big debate. Leagues, go, they don't understand it. AFL, it's, it's entirely the norm. So say, like, okay, Richmond played Port Adelaide tonight. Yes, it's a Richmond home ground. But say they played... At Adelaide Oval and Richmond won, they'd play, we're in Tiger. Some people would find that really strange. I don't know. Why wouldn't they do it here? If you win, you win. Fair call. I would have thought. Old habits die hard. Football's a funny thing. Uh, Jules, not sure. Now, some text is missing on this, so I suspect the other half will kick in in a moment. So apologies if I don't read out your name first up. Not sure if you saw the post-match press conference with Billy Slater. I caught a bit of it. But if last night was an audition for a future NRL head coaching gig, Slater put himself in the shop front window. Super impressive the way he carried himself and responded with questions, fluent and concise in his dialogue. He, he always has been Billy Slater. The thing is, he seems to me a really good origin coach. Being a head coach week in, week out of the NRL and is a lot different to coaching the origin side three times a year. A lot different. But he's untried. I mean, Fatty was an untried coach. And he defeated a Phil Gould coach, New South Wales team, who were much better on paper. 3-0 in 95, one of the all-time great series wins. So in that respect, Origin's a different beast, completely different beast. I'm a big fan of Billy Slater. He's, he's the best fullback I've seen. Best fullback I've seen. Like, I never, as I said just before the break, I never saw Churchill play. But I tell you what, if he's better than Slater, he had a hell of a player. I, I just can't picture Churchill being a better player than Slater. And Cam Smith, you heard him this morning with Den and Kemp, and he said a few weeks ago at Cam Smith, people see, you see people like Billy Slater play, you know, talented individuals. And the reaction is to think, well, they just show up and it's just their instinct that gets them through. So, well, yeah, they're good and they're gifted. But, but, 
His preparation was second to none. His planning was just meticulous. He'd study his opponents. He'd study the team, the key players in the opposition. He did his homework. And he's a passionate Queenslander. And the other thing, too, I mean, some of these blokes, he's only he, he played with a handful of those Origin players last night, five or six of them. But so the young ones, imagine yourself when Cobbo come or a Reuben Cotter, goes, this is Billy Slater. Like, I worshipped this bloke growing up as a young kid, making my way into grade. Tell me they wouldn't run through a brick wall for him. Clever man, big rugby league brain and very articulate. Yeah, big fan of Slater. Big fan of him. Thank you, 0457. 736, 736. Uh, Steve says, did you play cricket? Uh, at what level, Steve? I did. I played for the uh, mighty St. Pius X College. Handful of games in firsts. I made my debut actually against Waverley College. The best feed you'd ever want to have. Such a good feed. And my coach said, look, you're the next bat in. A wicket falls, you're going in, so don't eat too much because you're not going to be able to run. Like, yeah, right. The spread, it's like food glorious food. It's like a, you know, a dining hall, a Harry Potter at the end of the set. It was unbelievable. And so I loaded up on the roast chook and the potato salad and the jelly and ice cream. And then sure enough, about an over and a half in Wicked Fall. <laughs> I remember that innings well. I hit two fours a single and got out with a really dodgy LBW court. It's going about a mile down league. Could have been anything that day. Could have been anything. So, yeah, and then I actually played um, Shires Cricket, Steve for Roseville for a number of years afterwards. I enjoyed it. So played on the turf wickets there all over Sydney. Some of the wickets at the Shires clubs play on it are really, really good. Really good. As impressive as any of the grade ones. So, uh, yeah, if that's what you mean, Steve, I played a bit of cricket. Not at any great heights, but I enjoyed it and I do love my cricket. Thank you, 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. Finally, on the program, this special Thursday night edition of Higher Ground in lieu of no football. Of course, we had Origin last night, 16 points of 10. Well done to the Maroons. Now they're up against it, New South Wales. And uh, I heard Smithy this morning saying, what's, what's it like when you're 1-0 down in a series? It's not panic stations, not panic stations, but you get a bit desperate because one more win, you're gone. But you chuck out the baby with the bathwater. So these are the, these are the selection headaches that Brad Fittler and Brandy and the team face now. You know, can you carry Crichton on the bench with Stags and White and starting? You're not dropping White, and he was arguably their best. I don't think you can. Do you get a two-man hooker rotation? Does Coruscant come into the mix? Is he in that squad? Do you Pacific with Tarek Sims? Do you get somebody like Frizzell with his fast-moving feet and his leg drive? Does he come back into the side? How do you play Jake Trebojevic? These are the questions that are going to be answered. Got a couple of games of NRL before that, of course, to determine what the selection makeup might be for that second Origin game in Perth. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Now, Pontai Jack, um, Jules, you wear Billy Smith King hit Gazwanecki, Garwanecki, uh, and broke his jaw and got tossed from East Leagues the night of the nineteen eighty Grand Final. I did not know that. I know he's been tossed out of a few joints. I may have read that. It, it didn't ring a bell though. Bondi Jack, of course. Bondi Jack was there in pain, 13 schooners to the bed. <laughs> You'd be a good bloke to have a beer with Bondi Jack. Different times. Different times. That's funny. Uh, yeah, before that half-half text, it was Daniel from Prairiewood. Good evening to you, Daniel. You're talking about Billy Slater. You said, as a coach, he's tactically brilliant, but also has the ability to communicate his message, an area that coach will s- struggle with. Uh, as a Storm fan, I can't help but think he's the perfect candidate to succeed Craig Bellamy when Bellyache decides to pass the baton on. Uh, maybe. I don't think Billy wants the gig. I don't think he wants the gig. Who'd want to be a head coach? I mean, we lost two on the same day. 
Poor Brownie. Poor Madge. We lost two on the same day. We've already lost three this year. We're only halfway through the season. That's got to be the end of Brownie's coaching career. Madge will get another gig. Baz is done. It is a brutal sport. It is a blood sport. And if you don't get instant results, well, I throw you on the scrap heap. Justin Holbrook, people were lauding his coaching ability last year. Well, he's turned around this Gold Coast Titans team. He's got him in the 80s. He's this young, fresh coach. All of a sudden, they're struggling. And people are saying, well, you know, what about Holbrook? When's he going to put under the blowtorch? It's, you know, I don't know anybody to do it. I really, really don't. And it's funny, a lot of them get out of the game and they just seem a lot lighter, a lot better. Brownie certainly, uh, he came across as that, like a weight to be lifted off his shoulders. And I can understand that from both ways. It's, look, this was manufactured. Well, the real reason, this is their, their nice way of spinning it so they didn't look like a complete bastard by turfing Nathan Brown. And look, you know, I'm happy to see out my contract and coach a club, but, you know, with I'm just not sure I can move back to New Zealand now. And I said, look, you know, he's made that decision for putting his family front of mind and, I understand that, and as a result, probably best we part company now. And people are saying, well, mate, you, you're the coach of a New Zealand team. You ever think at some point you might have to move to New Zealand? But if you're Nathan Brown, you can see the writing on the wall saying, well, am I going to uproot and move my family to New Zealand only to be turfed out and then what? Be sacking you out of a job. So I get it. I get it. But I think Billy Slater, I think he's on a good thing now. Likewise, Freddie. Three games a year of origin because the preparation starts early in the year. And now this is one of the best things that we've seen in rugby league is that state of origin has their unique coaches and not club coaches anymore. And it's probably the only blot in Craig Bellamy's copybook while you mentioned me, Daniel. So in the discussion about the greatest rugby league coaches of all time, you go, okay, Jack Gibson and Wayne Bennett and, and Craig Bellamy. But, you know, winning percentages in the competition proper, well, Bellamy streets ahead of anybody else. But, but the knock on him, he didn't succeed at origin level. And he did say about his own admission, Craig Miller, I, I didn't get origin until I'd left origins. It's a different kind of coaching. But he says, I don't like coaching against my own players. And he was coaching against the all-time greats in Cronk and Slater and Smith and Inglis. You know what I mean? That's the only knock on Bellamy and a massive Craig Bellamy fan. And I was disappointed. He was, you know, he was really close to joining the Dragons, Craig Bellamy. He wanted a, a contract renewal at Melbourne. It wasn't forthcoming, and the Saints had thrown a big offer at him. And Bellamy goes, ah, you know what? They're not coming to stuff it. Let's, let's call St. George Lawara. Let's go back to the Dragons, tell them we're in. And then Bellamy, then Melbourne said, you know what? Yeah, we'll give you a gig. What could have been, hey? What could have been? 0457 736 736. That's the thing about Wayne, right? You heard me talking to Brian Niebling in the first hour of the program. Check out the podcast too, Old Horse, the thoroughbred from Mergen, Queensland legend. He's a really good chat, and he talked about playing at Morton Daly Stadium, Redcliffe. Of course, Wayne going to be coaching Redcliffe next season in the competition. So, I mean, they chunks of metal back in the day. They bred him tough in Queensland. We'll get tetanus shots. It'll be all right. But you don't write off Wayne. So Wayne will have a plan. They haven't landed the really, really big fish. They're assembling a pretty nice roster, albeit a sort of an aged roster, but a nice roster nonetheless. This is what Wayne does, right? So Wayne's won premierships with Brisbane, but he also won one with the Dragons. So he's one of it two different clubs, which Bellamy hasn't. Some of the greats have. Gus has done it. And on top of that, Wayne's had success at origin level, which Bellamy hasn't. So every time you write off the wily old master coach, you think, oh, I think Wayne's past his best. And then he gets south to another grand final. 
Got Newcastle prelim. He should have won the 2015 grand final, let's be honest. But 2020, remember this whole, the worst Queensland team ever? Brenko Lee and Edric Lee and Kurt Capel. He was a good player, but a question his hands and he was playing in the centres and he played in the back row for Penrith. They weren't meant to come near him and they won. And he just had that little smirk, that little smile on his face as he descended the stairs of a core stadium at the final game and Cherry Evans lifts up the trophy. because goes, oh, from the weakest Queensland team. You know, he's just got something. He's just got something. And I had a feeling about it that series. And this one does too. Now, at the helm of one B Slater, the greatest fullback that the game's ever seen. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. You know, Gus is right. He said years ago, origin only, origin only works if Queensland win. And people thought that's a strange thing to say. Queensland go on a run, it lives. If New South Wales went on a run of nine or ten series in eleven years, that would be a dagger to the concept of origin. An absolute dagger. And I said to to Brian Niebling, and this is in relation to what Paul Vorton had to say post show. He said, well, Reuben Cotter, Patrick Carrigan, uh, really good players, great engines, just try all day, just do all the dirty work in the middle. Gus said it was the perfectly named Queensland team to play Queensland footy. And I said to Brian Niebling, well, what do they mean by that? And he goes, well, you know, us Queenslanders always had to wear the blue jersey. We felt like second-rate citizens. And finally, when Origin started, it's a case that we want to prove ourselves. And that's kind of filtered through generations. We just want to prove ourselves. And we saw that last night. They were monumental. The guys that you just want to have on your side, Carrigan and Cotter, were just wonderful. So I said, Cotter, the, the game plan was not to have him on the field for 80 minutes. Coates goes down. What do they do? They've got to shift Holmes out. Holmes is great. Play Capel in the centres, which he's done before. Hey, Reuben, this is foot origin football. You never know how it's going to play out. We need 80 minutes from your son. You got it, coach. Anything else you need? He made, what, 51 tackles over 100 running metres. I mean, what more can you ask of a bloke on debut? who often plays hooker. He was great. He was really good. That quick ball, Harry Grant was so good in the middle. Having said that, I don't think you turfed the entire New South Wales team, as some people are asking for. They're a good side. They're a champion side. And they'll get better. 0457736736, New South Wales, Steve. Uh, Brown does not want to go over the Dutch, says Steve. <laughs> the Dutch. You don't have to read that twice. The, du- the Dutch, across the Dutch. 0457-736-736. Now, I'll proofread what you've just written there, Bondi Jack. I'll do that in the ad break. Hey, just on uh, Cameron Munster. Now, this is from the Courier-Mail. Uh, Peter Bedell and Brent Reid have this story. Well, Wally, the great Wally Lewis, has labelled Cameron Munster the new king of state of origin. The new king of state of origin as the Maroons pivot revealed how a strict booze ban inspired his homebush hatchet job on the blues. That second half in particular was just wonderful, masterful. 16-10 boil over in the series opener. And to think that his career at the Melbourne Storm was hanging by a thread. The white powder scandal, we have to call it that, the white powder scandal. It was only six months ago, wasn't it? Heavy sanctions. He had to check into a rehab facility camp, Munster, to address his issues with drinking and gambling. He said, you know what, I'm going to stay off the drink for 12 months. I want to get my career back on track and the form he was in you know they put 70 on the Warriors and they put 40 odd on the Dragons and they were just toweling up teams left right and centre and Munster was pivotal to that a wonderful fight back how much of that has to do with the booze ban probably a lot 
not so much that. He's had the kid as well. It's all of those things in concert with each other that drive him to be a better player. I mean, sometimes players have these well, alcoholics use the term moments of clarity, but these moments of realization in their career. So, well, how can I continue down this path? I'm good, but do I want to be consistently better? Do I want to enhance my career or do I want to jeopardize my career? And we know the decision that Cameron Munster has taken. And you know what? We're all beneficiaries of it. Because, yeah, Blues fans are disappointed. But I tell you what, I mean, you, you step back from that. Take your blue hat off as, as an impartial rugby league observer, because he'll be your Australian 5'8". you just got to marvel at how good these guys are. Just gotta, this guy's too good. What a player. And I did that. I'm a Queensland fan. I did that last year when I saw Trebojevic carve him up. I go, this guy is just next level. Yeah, I'm disappointed that we lost, but you can't help but marvel at the talent of these blokes. And we should be thankful that we're in an era that we get to watch them live. So New South Wales fans go, okay, we, we got smashed, but you know, we got to see Lockyer and Slater and Thurston and Cronk and Inglis. I mean all time greats. They're just this golden generation that came through at once. I just gotta say, wow. I mean, look at this football. And I tell you what, I heard a discussion this afternoon with Jimmy Smith and somebody saying, Oh no, he's he's better than Lockyer. He's not better than Lockyer yet. I mean, longevity is the still the best marker of greatness. He's not better than Lockyer yet, but if he keeps putting on performances like that over the next three, four years, and it's getting man of the match, man of the series, well, man of the match two out of three games and cleaning up another three man of the series, you could make a case that is a better Queensland 5-out than Lockyer. And that's something I wasn't sure I'd say this soon after the retirement of the great Lockyer. Yet here we are. You're very lucky, Queensland fans. Enjoy it. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Now, listen, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a break because I want to chat about this Live Golf series afterwards. This is really fascinating, the Saudi-backed sports washing series. I guess the question we're all asking is, is it a brand-new tour or is it a retirement village, effectively nothing more? Because you can't compete with the money and offer that the Saudis are throwing. So the PGA could say, you know what, we'll double the prize money. Well, the Saudis go, we'll just double it again. It's cash versus prestige. I'm curious to know which side you're on. 0457 736 736. After the break, I'm going to check in with Nick Metcalf. He's the golf correspondent for the Metro over in the UK to get his thoughts on this tournament, which kicks off tomorrow in Hertfordshire. Great to have your company this Thursday night, special edition of Higher Ground. Of course, no Thursday night football. Uh, well done to the Maroons, 16-10 in State of Origin 1 in New South Wales and the Game 2 in Perth. And the Friday night football, Round 14 gets underway and you hear the action live right here tomorrow night, 7.55pm is kickoff at Queensland Country Bank Stadium with the North Queensland Cowboys uh, without a host of their Origin Stars at home to the St George Illawarra Dragons. 0457 736 736. Well, look, the controversial Live Golf Tour is about to host its inaugural event in London. It's going to be held at the Centurion Club in Hertfordshire. It runs from June 9 through to June 11. We know that it's a highly controversial venture with the issue of sports washing, of course, very much in the headlines, and that's been accompanied by accusations that the players involved have turned a blind eye to the crimes of the Saudi regime. Nick Metcalf is the golf correspondent for the Metro in the UK and he's on the line right now. Nick, many thanks for your time. Pleasure. Good to join you. Uh, this tournament's getting underway. Uh, they, they struggled to find a course. Uh, $25 million purse, 54 holes, no cut. What, what's the feeling on the ground in relation to the launch? And is this tournament, 
Is this tour the, the existential threat to the PGA, as some have called it? Well, funny enough, if you'd have asked me that question 24, 48 or 72 hours ago, my answer would have been quite different. But I think with some of the star names that are reportedly joining, even in recent days, the likes of Bryson DeChambeau may be the most talked about golfer of all, aside from Tiger Woods right now in the sport, and maybe former Masters winner Patrick Reed, and of course the signing up earlier this week of Dustin Johnson, you have to say it's a bit of a game changer. I mean, listen, there are still loads and loads of star names that are staying loyal to their normal tours, if you like, particularly the PGA Tour. But there's no doubt the heads are turning more now because these are huge names, no question about it. And although maybe a few weeks ago it looked a little bit of an underwhelming lineup for this first event and the event to come in America, which is taking place in Portland, Oregon, in a few weeks' time, that's when the likes of Bryson DeChambeau mm. are expected to make their debut and Patrick Reed too in this live series. It does feel now as if things have changed and an existential threat, Julian, yeah, so that's a pretty good way of saying it. Uh, do you anticipate more players jumping ship? Um, well, I'm not a soothsayer, but I, I, unfortunately, I think, you know, and I say that because, you know, I think it, it is a, an, 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 for me an unfortunate situation. I think the answer has to be yes. I think people will look at what happened this week. You know, ultimately, you know, sports people, rightly or wrongly, are motivated by money. I mean, they've told us as much, haven't they? The likes of Lee Westwood have come out and said that. Uh, the likes of Graham McDowell, Ian Poulter. They say they're self-employed. They're self-employed contractors. They play for money. Now, it's where you draw your moral line, isn't it? Some people, like Rory McIlroy, said, no, it's not for me. It doesn't feel right. I think doing things just for money it can lead to problems. I won't do that. Justin Thomas, another big hitter, has come out this week and said, no, I'm being loyal. But unfortunately, it's the way of the world. It's the way of human beings. When they see the huge uh, prize money on offer, and if this event is a quote-unquote success and goes without any major hitches, then I, honestly, brutally speaking, I think more will join, yes. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? At least the players, for whatever criticism you level at them, Nick, just be honest. Say, we're here for the cash because we know it's been well-documented. Sports washing, and the Saudis do it well, is, is as we know, the attempts by basically nation-states to to sanitise their criminal reputations, and particularly in the UK, that's been brought to the fore with what's happened at the Newcastle Football Club. Is there is a different feeling in the new in the UK, I guess, moralistically, in relation to this tournament? I think so. Yes, and look to me, I mean, the, the players have come over poorly this week. They really have. I mean, we read that they've been given advice on how to answer questions. Well, sack the advisor because. They're not coming over well at all. They're, they're really not giving, uh, you know, very good answers. Part of me just said, lie better if needs be, or at least read up a little bit on, on the situation. But some of them are so poorly uh, across the issues, really. Look, they often say they're not politicians. And to some extent, of course they're not. But look, they've taken a very questionable moral call here. Of course they have to be open to questions. And yet, you know, at the end of the day, maybe as a couple of pundits have said over here, you are defending the indefensible. So maybe there are no answers. I mean, Phil Mickelson has come out and said that all the players, you know, deplore that 
some of the human rights abuses that we know happen in Saudi Arabia. Yes, we take that on board. But as you rightly mentioned, that word sports washing, it's not just gold, to be fair. We see it with Newcastle in football, mm. a big boxing fight to go to Saudi Arabia. It's an issue across sport. Golf's in the news this week and maybe the coming weeks. But, you know, in fairness to golf, it's not just golf. But, of course, maybe these guys are getting a bit more in the neck because they are literally making that decision themselves. It's not teams, you know, that don't have necessarily a say. These are guys that are going straight out. And they have got questions to answer because there's no doubt that, that these events are being used to sort of clean up or sanitise a country's image. That's exactly... Graham McDowell gave an answer this week, and it was literally the definition of sports washing. Mm. He said, if Saudi Arabia wants to go to a new place, we're proud to help them on their way. That's sports washing, Graham. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really fascinating, isn't it, Nick, to to see what happens down the track and and how wide this rift between the PGA and, uh, I guess, the Live Tour eventually gets, because... You know, I think about World Series cricket and they were fighting for better pay. But having said that, they came from a really low base, those players, but they were ostracised by the establishment. They weren't allowed to play test cricket before eventually they reconciled. We've seen Dustin Johnson and Sergio sever their ties with the PGA. Ryder Cup uh, participants, uh, well, they're not allowed to participate in the Ryder Cup. At the moment, they're still allowed to play in the majors. But, but do you think there's a chance that that may change, that we might see more draconian measures levelled against those that decide to jump ship? Well, the honest answer is we don't exactly know. It's a great comparison that you make there um, with Kerry Packer and cricket back in the 70s. I mean, I said to my sports editor this week, should we call these guys rebels in headlines and copy relating back to that situation, what, going back nearly half a century ago? Mm. And he was happy with that because it it does feel kind of similar. I mean, they're talking the talk at the moment Will they be as strong in practical terms going forward? The PGA Tour, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the USGA had come out and said that players can play in next week's US Open. So I think that's also a bit of a game changer. You know, that's potentially opened the doors. Now, each major is run in slightly different ways. So there is a chance that the Masters, for example, and the PGA might say, no, you're not playing. But then would those events really want to run without the best players? It's an awkward one. The Ryder Cup's a different one. That's one that perhaps is more likely to sort of go forward and, and, and say, no, you can't play. But again, that's going to be a huge blow to that event because some of the biggest stars, the likes of, you know, Dustin Johnson, you know, the likes of Sergio Garcia, huge Ryder Cup figures. So it's a really, really difficult one. The ball's kind of, kind of in the PGA Tour's court now. Live Golf of, 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 had, of having this big event is starting today. And they're going to be really in the news in the weeks to come. And I mm. think it's up to the PGA Tour to be hard. Will they be? Mm, I think the jury's out. Uh, does, just on the PGA Tour, does, does Phil Mickelson have a point, though? Uh, do they have too much of, a, I guess, a commercial stranglehold over their participants? Yeah, I, I suppose you, you, you could argue that he does have a point, really. And, you know, clearly the PGA Tours knows they've been put out of joint because they're not used to the competition. They, they've had it so good for so long. But, you know, I guess these guys are contracted um, uh, to the PGA Tour and, and the PGA Tour think, well, actually, you know, um, you know, we've done a lot of good by you. You know, you, you've had all these events to play for, for big money for a lot of years. But there's no doubt that, that these guys, the, the big golfers, I think, were self-contractors here. We're getting more appearance money. There's more prize money. There's no cut. There's no issue of not being paid 
during mm. events when there's no cuts. So they're they're kind of, you know, you can you can see it from both sides, but but um, you know, I think the PGA Tour will probably think, well, we showed a lot of loyalty to you, and you just jump ship. But again, that's the way of humans, isn't it? There's no there's no lo- <laughs> there's often no loyalty when big money's at play. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. You know, it's interesting uh, if you're a I guess a scrapper or an up and coming player. Uh, I I understand it. I understand it. If you're a chance at setting yourself up, you know you could get receive some kind of life changing paycheck. But for your Dustin Johnsons, your McDowells, your Pulters, your Sergio Garcias, I mean, it, it just reeks to me, Nick, of outright greed. Because I mean, how much money is enough? How much well, money I mean, is enough? You're speaking my language, and one of the papers in America, I've forgotten what. What one now had had a picture of Phil Mickelson with, with 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 his green jacket with the words "greed jacket." I mm. mean, of course, it's greed at the heart of it. And again, you know, Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter were asked yesterday whether they were comfortable with the situation of being offered this kind of money when many of the fans watching are living in in an economic crisis here in the UK. Frankly, a cost of living crisis right now, and indeed in many other countries too. And they couldn't give a good answer to that. Look, let's not go down too too much of the role of, 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 of unequal pay because that's a whole other issue. But it does seem unsavoury. One, one thing that strikes me, you know, is I'm kind of surprised they could do with the hassle of this, frankly. I mean, at least Justin Rose was kind of honest and said, actually, uh, you know, I just don't need this at my time of life. Mm. And that's what surprises me a little bit. But again, you know, the likes of Westwood, Poulter, I think, God, do they really need this? But... You know, at the end of the day, it has to be said, Julian, as unsavoury as it sounds, this is a money talk situation. It really is all about cash. Yeah, yeah. You know what's what's going to be fascinating to see uh, how this whole thing plays out over the months and years to come. You know, whether the PGA looks at imposing sanctions on these rebel players, or there's also a school of thought, Nick, that well, just just let them play. I mean. Who cares about who wins a 54-hole no-cup tournament at Centurion? Because it does nothing at all for legacy. It does nothing for your reputation. So outside of money, it really offers nothing. Well, that's the feeling, certainly. And, you know, I was reading a couple of, of our biggest golf writers pointing out that, in some ways, this is the best thing that's ever happened for the sort of, sort of really established events like the majors, but also some of the other really big events on, on the other tours because, you know, they're not going to be tainted with this and they're going to seem almost even bigger than ever. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's early to say, you know, every event, every tour, no matter how unsavoury, sort of starts from somewhere. And if more big names join up, and it'd be interesting to see what the viewing figures are like for this, for example, it's got a sort of weird TV deal. It's kind of on streaming services here in the UK. Will people be attracted to watch it? I mean, will eventually people turn over? Can they work in tandem? I mean, some of the guys are saying, actually, it's only 8, 10, and then 14 events. And even with 14, that leaves 38 weeks. Isn't there enough time for every tour to sort of survive and thrive? Maybe. But, you know, it, it has to be said that, you know, at the moment, there's a really unsavoury feeling about it here. I don't know what, what it's like in Australia with, with golf fans. I imagine it's the same way, isn't it? People looking at it and saying, oh, this is... Yeah, a bit grubby. yeah. I think there's a a, a degree of caution and, and trepidation about it. And Greg Norman, who's you know arguably our greatest, well, greatest male golfer out 
has lost a lot of skin, particularly after his comments, you know, playing down that the murder of Kasodji, the journalist, by simply dismissing it as a as a mistake. You know, and mm. and and Wayne Grady, a former Tour pro and, and major win, has come out and absolutely teed off. Pardon the pun on Greg Norman. So. You know, Sharks lost a lot of skin on this. Um, he's certainly not bringing people with him, uh, not from what I can gather from the ground. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's all about cash, as you said. You know, so the PGA Tour could double their prize money, but the Saudis would triple it. It doesn't matter. So they're just trading yep. on reputation, no prestige, issue. and history. Correct. So then, ultimately, it's up to the players to decide uh, which direction they want to go. Yeah, that was a crass comment from Norman, wasn't it? I mean, the mistake is forgetting to put the bins out at night. It's not the murder and yeah, you know, dismemberment of a journalist in a, in, in a consulate. No, yeah, that's right. A mistake Bad is language. you know choosing the wrong club on the twelfth of Augusta, for example, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for making some time to chat with us on the program. Uh, we'll be watching with great interest. Nick Metcalf, thank you so much. Have a nice evening. Thank you to you. And there is Nick Metcalf, the golf correspondent for the Metro in the UK. As we said, it gets underway at uh, the Centurion Club in Hertfordshire. In Hertfordshire. Live golf. What do you make of it? No cut. Are they Look, they, it is greed. Just admit it's greed. You can't say sport and politics doesn't mix because it does. It does. 0457 736 736. High ground. Uh, Bondo Jack Jules Ree, the, uh, I'll try and sanitise that, the red-headed dope who made a fool of himself with his bias last night. You're talking about Vorton. The thing, you know what it is? Yeah, it clearly is bias. That's kind of his thing. He wasn't part of the commentary. So after the match, I don't mind if he's celebrating. It doesn't, that sort of stuff doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. And I'm not saying that because I go for Queensland. Vorton 95 was the only series of eight Origins series Gus Coach that he ever lost to the Toads. Makes it all the more remarkable. And yes, our first 11 lunches at Queen's Park were the best. Pius and Pats came into our CAS comp in, uh, what year was that? 77. And I made a ton, bef- a ton before lunch. V Pats first. See, Pats are always Pius's greatest rivals. We'd get them in the cricket. They'd get us in the rugby. They were a strong rugby team back in my day. Not too shabby. Look at you. 100 before lunch. Be flying them. I was impressed when, you know, Dougie would score 100 in a session. Hook Willis for six. Maza, I'm really looking forward to the concept of live golf. I'm a huge PGA fan, but the PGA may detract from world golf because it doesn't allow the best golfers in the game to travel and promote the game worldwide. Yeah, well, it's one of the two key tours along with the, the European tour, isn't it? I, I just don't know what the end game is here, though, Maza. Apart from just paying a bunch of players money. You know, Greg Norman talks about growing the game, but is it going to do that? I read an article by Rod Morrie in um, Golf Australia Golf Digest, I think it was. And he said, yeah, but, you know, whether Martin Keimer decides to tee up, tee off, it doesn't actually make a difference to trying to get more people in the game at a grassroots level, for example. It's a cash grab, Muzzer. It's a cash grab. And I still think the best, like Tiger Woods was off and he said, no, I'm good. He only cares about winning trophies and he's got enough cash anyway. Rory as well, no, I'm good. I think most of the key ones, despite the cash, I think if you're making good money the PGA Tour, um, are going to stick with the PGA Tour. And like I said, what have they got? What have they got in their favour? They've got prestige, tournaments, legacy. That's what they have in their favour. I saw a stat the other day. Uh, only three players have won 10% or more of the tournaments they've played on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods, by a way. Greg Norman and John Rahm. That's how hard it is to win golf tournaments. 
Norman's won over 10% of the tournaments he played. He's a wonderful golfer, but I mean, what a stupid comment that was. Stupid. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Like I said to Nick Metcalf, if, if you're a young player and you have a crack, strike while the iron's hot. I, I, I get it. I get it. But if more and more big players join, like your Patrick Reeds and your Bryson DeChambeau's, well, they're going to get relegated anyway. But are you okay with it? I mean, they're trying to spin it anyway they can, but clearly they're saying they've got no problem with Saudi sports washing. The attempt by nation states, as we say, to, to clean up their criminal reputations. Hey, you know, we're not such bad guys. We'll put 25 mil purse up for grabs. And we know that the players squirmed when they were questioned prior to Live Golf about how they felt being pawns for what is called a murderous regime. Just admit it's about the cash. We know Mickelson's a stooge. He loves the dollar. It's true. He said, money's first, second, third priority in my life. Green jacket is greed jacket, you heard Nick say there. Just admit it's about the cash. But the question remains, how many top players will they attract? Is it the existential threat to the PGA Tour that some have made out to be? I'm not convinced yet that it is. I'm not convinced it is. But I wouldn't be surprised if we do see more sanctions, maybe even from the majors, if they start to bleed too many players. I'll have to plug up that gap. Because right now, they've drawn, let, let's be honest, mostly has-beens who are a tick away from the Champions Tour. So, yeah, you might be upset at the commercial stranglehold that the PGA has over players. But, like I said, Nick, how much is it not enough? I mean, Dustin Johnson's had, what, $70 million he's raked in from the Tour. At what point is it not enough? Like, you could double that. Does it make your life any better? Does it make your life any better? I, I like what Barry Glendinning had to say in The Guardian. He said, look, while the participation of young, hungry golfers desperate for their shot at life, at a life-changing paycheck, they may not otherwise have a hope of trousering, is more understandable. The willingness of fabulously wealthy senior professionals to help Bin Saman launder his state's image seems rooted firmly in nothing more than complicated than outright greed. And as I said, ultimately... Uh, who really cares who wins a centurion, right? What about your legacy? What about your reputation? And they're, they're trashing that at the moment. They're trashing it. Because outside of cash, it offers nothing. Nothing. But what it does do, it lays to bear the moral standing of its participants. 0457 736 736. Uh, Jack, you say you're with the live cash grab, and I fully understand the purity of Rory in the USPGA, but my favourite golfer... The reviled Mr. America, Patrick Reed, the best chipper and putter in the game, is in. So I'm in. Well, at least you're honest about it. So if you stuck with the tour, you'd be, oh, I'm anti-live golf. I'm anti-live golf. This is the Super League and World Series cricket damn wall about to break. The USPGA will roll over and re-include Dusty and Co. I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll wait and see. But the difference between World Series cricket and this is that the players were really badly paid. These players are handsomely paid. World Series cricket had to happen. Super League was probably somewhere in between. They needed to be paid more, but then they got paid far too much. They weren't on Struggle Street, that's for sure. It's a really divisive issue, but I'm fascinated to see what the feedback's going to be like in this tournament. How many people actually show up and watch it or stream it? How much interest is there going to be? Because, yeah, you go Dustin Johnson. That's pretty good. Sergio, yeah. Both Masters winners, that's pretty cool. Both great golfers, no doubt. 
Who else we got? Lee Westwood, good player. Poulter, yeah. Martin Keimer, yeah. Bryson's going to come later. Patrick Reed's going to come later. But at the moment, this 48-man field includes amateurs. And out of the top 150, it's got 27 of the world's top 150. So it's something. It's not amazing. On a couple of bit of last, why is it called Live L-I-V, golf? It's Roman numerals, L-I-V. Do you remember Mad Russian? Your Roman numerals, L-I-V. L-I-V is 54. Correct. L-50, V-5, and the I is the one before the five. Makes it 54. How many holes in the tournament? 54. Very good. 54. There you go. That's probably the cleverest bit of branding they've done. Mm. Have you seen the logos? You don't like it. For the teams? Oh, the names are just... Uh, I don't have them in front of me. I should drink it. They are shocking. Yeah, Sergio had a really weird one. The stingers, the crushers. Is that what it is? The fireballs. Sounds like, yeah. It's really just... Sounds like they had a focus group for rugby league. For oh, What should we call the new rugby league team? And they didn't make the list. We'll try and dig those up. <laughs> 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. So we've got the team names for the Live Golf Tournament. Uh, they're pretty... Pretty shit house, I can tell you that at this, at this time of night, kind of man. The Aces, the Cleeks, the Cleeks, the Cleeks, the Cleeks. Uh, if you didn't know what a Cleek was, you're not alone. The word is primarily Scottish and describes a club with an iron head, a narrow face, and a little slope used for shots from a poor lie on the fairway and sometimes for putting. Uh, that's thanks to our good mates at dictionary.com. That's what a Cleek is. Imagine you get drawn the team. Cleek, Cleek, no one knows what a Cleek No, it drafted. Aces. Cleeks, the crushes, the fireballs, the high flies, the iron heads, the majestics, CKS, niblicks, uh, punch, talk, smash, and stinger. Make of that what you will. So basically, what happens so, th- this is a unique format that Live Golf is using. So, players, yes, they compete individually, $25 million purse to win the event, but, but they're also part of this four man team as well, right? So, in the first couple of rounds, the two best scorers in each team will be credited. In the final round, the three best scores will be counted. And then the teams are drafted days ahead of each event by a captain. And so basically they've got this sort of added element of competition. So this is another way in which they're trying to differentiate themselves. So it's sort of a team event inside an individual event. So work that out. Work that out. New South Wales' hand will be forced, which will have better balanced team. Stags will be out. Crichton to centres and Hines to 14. Drew, it sounds like a much better team already. Much better team already. You can't you can't carry Crichton and Stags. I think Hines has got to be on the bench. People are saying Corus. Yeah, you can play anywhere, but I'd have Hines on the bench personally. Now, it is May the... May. We have May. It's winter. It's pretty cold today. June, I should say. It is June the 9th. Let's run through the birthdays for today. Uh, 1975, Paul Agostino. A fit Paul Agostino would walk into the Socceroos team right now, wouldn't he? Absolutely. And played, we need a player exactly like played him. Played for um, one of the Munich, 1860 Munich, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I think it might yeah. be right. It's not in front of me, too. No, actually, it's not. I, I'm going to go that. and check you on that. Uh, Australian football striker, Oli Roos, and uh, the Olympics, 1996. Also born this day, 1975. Uh, Andrew Simons, who we lost not that long ago. Great Australian cricket all-rounder, 26 tests, a couple of hundreds, 162 not out. It's high score, 24 wickets. Proud Queenslander, born in Birmingham, England, and he died this year. Would have been his 47th birthday today. Happy birthday to Andrew Simons, to Paul Agostino. A few football players today. You'll be happy to know, man, Russian. Mm. Miroslav Klose, 
German footballer from Bayern Munich and Lazio, born in Poland. A really good striker. Uh, Wesley Schneider, another good Dutch footballer. Yeah. He was born in 1984. Close was born in 1978, by the way. Wesley Schneider's birthday today. And uh, Michael Beer. Thing is, Warney talked up. Oh, you want to pick a spinner? Pin Michael Beer. Played two tests, didn't do much. It's his birthday today. Tall man. Good fella, Michael Beer. And on the rugby league front today, a few birthdays. 1962. Former Blue and former Rooster, Dave Trewella. Happy birthday, David. Born today in 1962. 30 years after that, another Rooster who played in the back row, Boyd Cordner. Former Blues captain, of course, and uh, had a few too many head knocks, sadly, Boyd, and he's retired from the game, but a good man. Boyd Cordner, born today, 1992. And the wrecking ball, formerly of the Eagles, now in the centres of my beloved Dragons, Moses Suley. Happy birthday to you, Moses. He's born in 1998. Goodness me. He's my age. Is he? He is. Yeah. What have you done with your life? Well, I'm not as big as Moses. Well, Moses, (laughs) yeah, he may be a professional footballer and doing good things with the Dragons, but I tell you what, he's never worked in high ground. That's right. He hasn't held down the fort. No, (laughs) he wouldn't last five minutes in this studio, Moses. Now, Cowboys-Dragons, round 14 of the National Rugby League. You'll hear it with SEN League, NRL Nation. The Cowboys and the Dragons, 7.55pm kickoff. Uh, coverage starts tomorrow, 6pm. Jury Forbes, Badge and Sats with the call tomorrow night. What did I say the odds of saying the Dragons were over $4? I think they'll shorten too with all those players out. If you, if you think there's a chance of an upset, Get on Saints now because that is very juicy value. Saturday, uh, we're covering the game at 2 o'clock, the Titans and the Rabbitohs. Potsy, good man, Mark Braybrook with Sats and Badge. So real Queensland flavour for the first two, of course. Kick off at 3pm. Then on Sunday, the Warriors and the Sharks, Matt White and Tim Manor. That game from 6pm, well, that coverage from 6pm. Kick off at 6.15pm. Great show. Thank you, everybody, for your company tonight. Stack of text messages. Thank you to everybody that checks it in. Thank you to all the guests on the program tonight. The great horse from Mergen, Brian Niebling. Join me to chat about Queensland's origin win. Scott Bailey from AAP and Nick Metcalf, who's the golf correspondent for the UK Metro newspaper ahead of the start of the Live Golf Tournament. Thanks to the Mad Russian as well. I'm Julian King. Have a great week, everybody. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.